cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got Welcome back, canteeners, to episode 97 of Culper's Canteen Cup. We have had some spirited discussions, let me tell you. Roger and I were in the great state of New Mexico together, just blowing up Josh's phone the entire time. It was great. We wish Josh could have made it because the discussions definitely would have been more spirited all face-to-face. But we love pushing, pulling, uh, pulling Josh's cord every once in a while, and, uh, we'll, which, we'll, which we'll get into during this episode. But what really set it off was uh, Biden's speech the other night. Oh, boy. We will delve into that a little bit, and that spurred a very interesting discussion between the three of us as as to, you know, if we were president, who would we select as our cabinet? And we've got a special episode for everybody because we're going to go through our selections. Uh, we haven't shared all of them with each other, but uh, we were very, very, bl- <laughs> we were very blown away by uh, by Joe Biden's uh, speech the other night. It was uh Something out of the, something out of the Hitler playbook. I'll tell you what, man. The uh, minister of propaganda was in full effect uh, that night, and uh, maybe Roger might do something uh, interesting with our backdrops here. Maybe not. Uh, we would like to emulate that as much as we can. Uh, you know, I, I let's just jump right into it. And I know Josh is just raring to go. At least he's he's been saying he's raring to go, and he's saying some pretty uh, pretty uh, I would outlandish for me. But uh, it might make sense for a lot of y'all, and uh, let's just let's just jump right into it, Josh. What did you uh, what you think about the speech the other night? Uh, so I didn't watch it when you know I didn't watch it live uh, when it happened. I had to go back and watch it after you. I think you texted you made a comment about it, and I was like, all right, let me you know let me say that. And I opened up the uh, opened up I went dove into the Twitter sphere, and holy cow. It was absolutely, it would, dude, it was absolutely bananas. And one of the first pictures I saw was that, you know, this, that blood red backdrop, you know, of him with the two Marines. And the only thing you could see on the two Marines was basically like their silhouette and then their white gloves. Right. And I was like, and dude, when I saw that, I was like, holy cow. It, it, it was very reminiscent. It, it was, it was very reminiscent of Hitler making, you know, one of his speeches in front of the, uh, I believe it was called, what was it called the, the Reichstag um, in, in Berlin. And I was like, dude, it was, I was taken aback. And then I listened, you know, I went back and I watched it in its entirety. And we all thought Barry was divisive, right? I mean, and, and he was, Barry was probably one of the most divisive presidents ever in history. Um, I think until last night, basically Joe Biden said 70 plus million Americans are domestic terrorists. I mean, he, and he, I mean, he said that it it wasn't like, well, yeah, maybe you could infer that maybe, you know, well, I, 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 I could see how somebody might think, you know, he's, he said that, or, you know, maybe he, you know, maybe he meant something. No, he flat out labeled, Trump supporters, domestic terrorists. So if you voted for Trump, either in 2016 or 2020, you are a domestic terrorist, according to the current president. And which is, you know, is crazy because the president, what was it? It was last week when he came out and was like, they're all, they're fascists. They're all fascists. And we're going to combat fascism. And it's like, you know, I think Roger brought that point up today. It's like semi-fascists. 
semi-fascist, <laughs> right? Like, because semi-fascist, you're kind of fascist, not really fascist. You're like the Diet Coca fascist. Right. Um, you're a semi-Nazi. You're the store. You're the store brand, right? You're not name brand. You're just you you're, got you're one like of the, the store brand. You only got one half of the crosses. You haven't yeah. earned the other one yet. We <laughs> yeah, just do it. Exactly. You just have the zig. You don't have the zag. Yeah, it was crazy. And this dude comes out and starts talking about fascism. And then the person who's in charge of the government, who you know is in charge of the military apparatus, whose party controls the media, whose party controls basic, you know, the school systems, comes out and was like, "You guys are fascists." And, and social like, media, and social, and social media, yeah, and social yeah. media—the ones that are dictating to social media what they, you know, what they should pull and what they should do and what they should censor. The same administration who sent law enforcement, you know, basically to to bury the Hunter Biden story, to you know, sent sent them to Facebook and social, media, calling us fascists. It was like, okay, well, I, I want to get Roger's thoughts, but. I, they seem to be i don't understand it they, they they seem to be pushing for you know for this to escalate into you know to violent conflict and i'm telling you dude they think they want that they think they want that i see a bunch of people on twitter jennifer rubin was one of them she was like mass arrest should start now and you're like okay well that sounds very i don't know fascist of you um to go out and arrest your political opponents and throw them in jail. I mean, I don't know. You know, we're going, we're going to do another night of broken glass. Is that what we're going to do? Okay. But they keep pushing for this and they keep pushing for this and they keep turning the temperature up and they keep turning the temperature up. And you, we said it a couple episodes ago, they're going to get something like another Ruby Ridge. They're going to get something like, another. they think they want that, but they're, they, I don't think once they, you know, once they get a hold of that, it's going to get a hold of them, and they're going to realize very quickly they they do not want that. Um, I, I, this is going nowhere good. But you know what? I'm game, man. They want to play, let's play. And get Rogers, get Rogers' thoughts on it. So much like I think both of you guys, I, I didn't watch it live. Uh, we got back to the hotel rooms so as as those that can see on YouTube. Uh, this is how dedicated I am as I'm recording from a, a hotel room in Vegas, but. Uh, we get back, and I'm about half liquored up. I was drinking some uh, some Heaven's Door. It's the Bob Dylan uh, bourbon. So I, I think it's bourbon. Yeah, bourbon. So, uh, you know, cash strength. You got a chance to uh, to find it, pick it up, and have some. Anyway, I was probably about four or five glasses into it. Wife's all tanked as well. And uh, like Josh, I just saw like on Twitter, you know, one, it was all the Democrats. I clearly stayed up late that night. Uh, and that's all I saw was that. And I think I saw maybe uh, uh, one conservative news channel that had the picture of Biden uh, that, you know, we'll probably use on our cover art. And, you know, it's got the red background and, and you hit it on the head with the Marines. You had the silhouette of the Marines with the white gloves. And that was it. Right. Just kind of like standing off to the back. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. So we start watching this thing. It made me angry. My wife was pissed. I mean, she was uh, she was going to, like she went to bed angry last night. Uh, and that's how divisive it was. But when you, when you look at the whole speech in itself, so Biden's speech, make no mistake about it. It wasn't to unify anybody. Uh, it wasn't to bring, uh, you know, independent votes over to the Democrat side during the midterms. It was to fire up his own base. Biden has looked weak. Okay. I don't care 
how you say it or how you how you look at it. I don't care what metric you used. He has looked very weak across the spectrum. And that's why you get the angry old man. We're the United States of America. It's like, like he's piercing, you know, trying to pierce through the television into your skull or something like that. And it's, it reminds me of, and both of you guys have been overseas. It reminds me of, of young soldiers that go overseas that uh, in a country that do not speak English. They just feel that they speak louder and louder and, and, and more direct that, oh, you know what? I didn't understand English at first. But she yelled it at me to my face, so now I totally understand English. And, and that's what Biden is trying to get across. He's trying to fire up his own base because what he's worried about, I think what the polls are showing him, is that in a lot of these races, and, and we'll get into it as it gets uh, closer and closer uh, several weeks down the road, but a lot of these races either have the Republican ahead or the Republicans slightly behind. And I think this might be anecdotal or whatever, but everything I've seen in the last several years, I guess more than several years, you go back four years, go back 2016, and you look at the polls, and I think I've actually read a couple articles uh, in The Hill on this. Basically, if the Democrats are up two, three, four points, you're either going to lose or you're even. That's kind of how most of the polls are, have worked out. Unless, obviously, you're in Manhattan, California, places like that. The polls are probably pretty accurate, Washington State, whatever, but Across the board, with most of these purple states or even red states, they show the Democratic candidate four, five, six, seven points ahead. And some of these places, that might be even, and that might even be you losing by a couple. Because there are some suppression polls out there. There are a lot of suppression polls out there that you hit on the head of the media being complicit with this. But make no mistake about it. The whole goal of his speech was to look strong and to fire up his base, which he did. He fired up his base. But here's the deal. I don't think you convinced any independents to go over to the right or go over to the left. Excuse me. You, you darn sure didn't convince any Republicans to say, hey, you know what? You're right. I'm going to vote for you again or vote for your party again. And so I think that's what you the measure. It, it'll come out. The telltale sign will be the midterms to see that, hey, was he able to turn out the base? And the problem that we've seen, even when he went up to Pennsylvania recently, Fetterman, Fetterman was like, I had a scheduling conflict, right? So he couldn't make it out with him during his speech. And I would tell you this, you're the president of the United States. I don't care which party. You're the president of the United States. There is no scheduling conflict. Okay, if I'm supposed to link up at some local town, especially running on on statewide, right? We're not talking about running uh, in your district where it might be important that you need to be at that Denny's or that IHOP because that's how small uh, and influential those meetings can be. We're talking about a statewide campaign and the president of the United States comes to your state. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, there is no scheduling conflict. You make it, right? So the fact that these folks are turning him down and Fetterman is not the only one, uh, the fact that, that folks are turning him down, I think the Democrats know we're going to struggle. They're going to struggle in the midterms. And to even have a chance, I think on the House side, it's pretty clear. It's just a matter of how many seats they're going to lose. On the Senate side, it's still a toss-up, but to even have a chance at holding the Senate, they're going to have to turn out their base. So I, I've got a couple more things that I want to say about it, but I'll throw it back over to Luke to get uh, some of his initial thoughts. Yeah, on the speech, you guys covered most of it. You know, I, I don't know who's in charge of setting this this stuff up. Um, I think the left is leaning real hard into this dark Brandon meme, or the left. I think Someone within the Biden administration is leaning real hard into this dark Brandon meme. It's not even we, cool. No, it's not. It's not it's even dumb. cool. Because, because the left can't meme. They can't meme. And the for, for those of you, I think we 
covered it a couple episodes ago, but the dark branded meme is something to the effect of Joe Biden is actually playing dumb, but in reality, he is like, uh, you know, he, he's, he's the puppet master. He's the great and powerful Oz behind the scenes. And he's, he's dark. It's dark. Brandon, it's 5d chess. Like Josh said, no, it's not. It's dumb. The left camp meme, they don't get it. So they're leaning hard. Like Roger said, they're, they're leaning hard into this, this stuff. And did they rile up the base who follows Twitter and follows memes and stuff like that? Sure, they did. But some, you know, older Democrat, uh, my wife works with some older Democrats, like old school, like these these people are in their 80s, 90s. They watch a speech like that and they're like, we still remember Hitler. We still remember that. They don't know what the hell that is. So I don't I don't know who's making the choices. But, you know, I said (laughs) I was watching. I said to my wife, I was like, this looks like a Star Wars movie. It, it 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 it's even more over the top than Mussolini. It's it's crazy. And I was listening to Ben Shapiro today, and I'm not the only one that thought that because he was like, "Yeah, dude, this guy looked like General Hux and whatever Star Wars movie that is, riling up his his troops and stuff." It was it was comical, but at the same time, I'm like Roger. I was I was viscerally upset because it's like, who made this call? How stupid are you? And how stupid do you think the rest of us are not to see through this? And it's really difficult. It's getting more and more difficult. You know, I'm on the fence between Roger, Roger and Josh on this, as I usually am, on whether you attribute it to stupidity or malice. It's like, are you really trying to do this? Or are you just so stupid that you're trying to rile up your base and you thought this was the best way? You know, it's upsetting because I don't like the word fascist. I don't like that word because it, as I don't, for the same reasons, I don't like the word racist. Because what is it really? You can change the definition any day of the week. We've seen the definition of racism change uh, at least three times in the past 10 years. Uh, we've seen the word fascism change, the definition of the word fascism change, um, you know, twice, three times as many as that in the past 10 years. You know, and I could give you the dictionary definition of what fascism was five years ago, the lucrative merger of corporations and government. Now it can just mean whatever the hell you want it to mean. It's the other side. They're the fascists. This is the problem I had with him labeling MAGA extremists, like Josh was saying. MAGA extremists, all Trump supporters. Okay, let's take it a step further than that. Let's say you don't you don't really necessarily support Trump anymore. You're like, you know what? I'd really rather him not be president next time. He was good in his time, but you know what? I'm not, you know, a Trump guy anymore. But I am pro-choice. I am pro or I'm anti, you know, gay marriage, whatever you want to say. If you're pro-choice, you are now a MAGA extremist. In other words, if you don't agree with Joe Biden, you are a MAGA extremist. Like, what does MAGA make America great again? That has already been equated to Trump. You can't even use the words make America great again. Pro-life. Sorry. You're right. Every time, go go edit that, Roger. Every time I said pro-choice, substitute with pro-life. You understand what I'm saying, though. If you're pro-life, you're a MAGA extremist. You know, it's dangerous. In my opinion, I think I will chalk that up to stupidity and being so out of touch. Josh will disagree. He disagrees with me on that. I'm going to chalk it up to that. But they are playing with fire with this kind of stuff. They're playing with fire. I look at that speech and and Josh is different. Josh, I want you to sound off on this. But I look at that speech and I'm like, you guys are playing with 
some sticky dynamite here that is ready to blow. It's sweating. And I, I think that's dangerous. But one, one of the big things is, and this is what everyone's pointing out, uh, obviously, is you are not in a, in a political speech. You're not supposed to be able, you're not supposed to use the military, the Marine Corps band, the Army band, you know, whatever. You're not supposed to use military props for your political speeches. Biden and the Biden administration came out and said, no, this is just this is just a, a presidential speech. And Josh, get off your phone because I'm about to kick it straight to you, brother. <laughs> he said it's not a political speech. But if you don't even listen to the speech, you just read it. That is a campaign stump speech. He mentioned Trump twice, who is the, you know, assumptive or whatever you want to say, nominee, I guess. He's probably the favorite right now, now that no one else has thrown their hat into the ring. That was a political campaign speech. Any other Marines standing right behind him. That's a big no-no. You're not supposed to do that. And I, I think I read one, I think Twitter post, I can't remember who 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 wrote it, but I was like, that's that's awesome. They're like, if if any Republican, not Trump, well, especially Trump, but any Republican made that exact same speech, you know, with words changed around the other way, with the exact same backdrop, CNN would be <laughs> would be sweeping graphite off the roof of their headquarters in Atlanta. So Josh, I'm kicking it straight to you and you're sitting there texting somebody. It must be pretty important. So tell me why you think this is malice and not just sheer stupidity. And then just, just go off for a second, but you know, go off, just go off, Josh. So here's why that it's malice and not stupidity. It's stupidity on Joe Biden's part. But Joe Biden, because Joe Biden didn't write that speech. Joe Biden didn't sit down at a computer and type that speech out. Joe Biden didn't choose the backdrop. Joe Biden didn't choose the colors. Joe Biden reads what he is told to read. It's stupidity on his part. It is malice on the part of those who are actually running this administration. We've talked about this before. It's the Susan Rice's. It's the Ron Klain's. It's the KJPs, it's the diversity hires that are working behind the scenes. It's the berries. All right. Joe Biden is not running this administration. Anybody who thinks that Joe Biden is making the day-to-day decisions, you are absolutely 100% high. It, yes, absolutely. Go back. I want everybody who, who hears this, I want you to get on the Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter account, create one. First thing you need to do is go follow C3 on Twitter. The second thing you need to do is go read Joe Biden's tweets. After you read <laughs> Joe Biden's tweets, compare Joe Biden's tweets to what he says when he's not on the teleprompter, when he's not reading word for word what somebody has told him to read word for word. It's gibberish. That's all it is. Now go read his tweets. His tweets are even, they are just as, if not more divisive than the speech that he gave last night. And a lot of them, they're garbage as far as the message goes, but they're coherent. They're well-structured. They're put together. The person who writes those tweets, it's not, a, it's not that geriatric who they card out every, you know, once in a while. That's why this is, this is no longer, you, we can no longer chalk this up to, you know, just, oh, well, that's just Joe being Joe. That's just Joe, you know, not making good decisions. There's no, absolutely no way. Joe Biden put that speech together by himself, chose the backdrop, chose the colors, was like, all right, this is how it's going to go. This is how the theatrics are going to work. He is not doing that. He is doing what he's told because he's stupid, but the people behind him are hateful and full of malice. 
That is why. That is why I do not agree that this is you can chalk all this up to stupidity anymore. You just can't. Fair enough, man. That's a good argument. So this whole thing, and this is why conservatives, this is why conservatives continue to get their ass kicked and lose in the culture war. You're losing the culture war because you want to take this moral high road. You want to take this high ground. The most conservative thing I've seen in the last couple months was when Bill Barr came out and Bill Barr was like, well, you know, I didn't want to use, you know, the Department of Justice, you know, to, you know, to to basically use that as a cudgel against my political enemies, you know, this, that, and the other. Oh, really? Well, that's fantastic, Bill. I'm glad you're good at playing. I'm, I'm glad you can play the bagpipes because guess what your, guess what your, you know, the guy who came after you did. He came out and he has fully weaponized the Department of Justice against the conservatives. Guess what the guy did before you, the guy before you, Bill, and I'm not talking about Jeff Sessions. That guy, that dude, that guy is not even buying green bananas anymore. Right? I'm talking about the idiot for Barry. Ooh, ooh, Roger, what was, um, God, I can't, why, I can't remember his name now. Uh, the attorney general. Come on, Eric Holder. Um, Eric Holder, that's right. Eric Holder, you know what he did? He weaponized the shit out of the DOJ against conservatives. And here comes and here comes Bill Barr. And Bill Barr had the opportunity, the opportunity to go after Hunter Biden. Bill Barr had the opportunity to go after Hillary Clinton. And you know what he did? He said, no, we're going to take the moral high road. We're going to take the high ground. Well, you know where the moral high road leads you? It leads you straight into the work camp, you moron. It leads you straight into the labor camp that the left's taking you to. Because that's where you're going to wind up. I'm telling you right now, and I know I know you guys disagree. I know you guys disagree with me. And I'm probably half crazy, and I don't give a shit. But this moral high road, this moral high ground shit, is going to get everybody on the right killed. It's going to get people put into internment camps. The Democrats literally put people into internment camps during World War II. And people were like, Wow, that that'll never happen in the United States. No, man, that'll never happen. It's already happened. George Taki. George Taki's on Twitter every day talking about how conservatives and MAGA, they're all fascist and they're all gonna, you know, they're all, they all want slaves back. And it's like, dude, your own party, the party you support is the only party who has ever put Americans in internment camps. Yet you support them. I don't understand it. I don't understand why conservatives continue, continue to capitulate when it comes to the culture war. How many, how many conservative elected officials came out today against Joe Biden's speech? How many? I can tell you right now, not that many. The only one that I saw, and I'm sure there's some others, was Rick Scott, Nikki Haley, and I'm not a fan of Rick Scott or Nikki Haley anymore, but they actually came out and was like, hold up. Absolutely inappropriate. Right now, that's just all some little bullshit talk. You know, they got to get their little tweets out there so they can say, well, I, you know, I, 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 I rebut up against it. Not one conservative came out and actually threw down some, uh, you know, and, and put some harsh words in there and actually, you know, put some, put some stuff behind it because basically 
Joe Biden came out last night and said, if you are pro-life, if you are, if you support traditional marriage, if you support strong borders, if you support enforcing the law, if you support standing up for the constitution, then you're an extremist. You're an extremist because that's what the MAGA movement is, right? Strong borders, put our country first ahead of everybody else. You're an extremist. What you got? What you got, Luke? I'm going to read a tweet. This is from an elected official. It was tweeted about, I think, uh, 12 hours ago. And I'll read it, and you can tell me who you think it is, Josh. Okay? Hard to imagine a speech with less self-awareness than the one Biden gave. The exact opposite of what our country needed, in tone, in appearance, and in substance. This man simply isn't fit to lead. Guesses? That's got to, dude, that's got to, that's so Mitt Romney-ish, <laughs> McConnell. You're like, so close. You're, it's Dan it, Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw. Oh, my, you knew it, dude. Dan Crenshaw. Whatever. See, that's the, sh- dude, that's the shit I'm talking about right there. That is the shit I'm talking about. Nobody, I'm telling you, it, it, conservatives continue, and that is why conservatives continue to get their ass kicked in the culture war. The president of the United States, he didn't come out and label you like, well, you know, we disagree and, you know, they're taking away a woman's right to choose and, you know, grr, 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 He came out and it's like, you are an extremist. You are an extremist. You are semi-fascist. At what point do does that language turn into action? How long was it? And you know, from when Hitler called Jews, basically, you know, they were they they were, you know, they were germs and you know they were animals and they were this. Like, how long did it take before the night of broken glass after that? Dude, I, I think I think it's our we're already seeing it. A dude showed up at Kavanaugh's house ready to assassinate him. I mean, I I think that we're already there. It's just on a smaller scale. I think we're talking scale, right? Yeah, yeah, no, we're talking scale, but and you're right. We probably you know, we we probably are already there. Um, you know, with 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 the raid at Mar Largo, and you know the guys showing up to Kavanaugh's house again. So, so I'll say this: I don't want this to happen. Like I truly, truly don't. But I don't see any alternative ending to this. I, I this we're we're quickly going away from the pick your own adventure book. To oh no we're like we are on a charted path and that path only ends one way. I think we're very very close to that. And while I don't want that, if that's the way it has to be, then let's just go ahead and do it and get it over with because I like my chances. Right, I like my chances. I, I've seen a lot of pictures of those on the left. I like my chances. Even the Antifa guys who showed up out there in Texas. And oh by the way, as a side note, what the hell is going on in Texas? lately right the antifa guys who showed up out in texas they had they like showed up and they got little david hogg arms and necks i like my chances i like my chances against those guys that's all i'm gonna say um so anyway i'm gonna get off that rant for for right now but i'm telling you right now somebody needs to step in and if it takes if it takes doing the, you know, the George W. Bush, hey, I've got to violate the free market principles to save the free market. If it takes, hey, I got to violate constitutional principles for a little bit to save the Constitution, then maybe that's what it's going to take. 
because the level of rot that we have now isn't something that you're just going to be able to, you know, throw some bleach and some Windex on, on your baseboards and, and clean off. The level of rot, it's in the studs. It's in your trusses. It's deep. It's going to have to, you're going to have to take that thing down to the slab and, and start over. And that's where we're at. Why? Because conservatives sat on the sidelines and wanted to take the, you know, they wanted to dump their chest and take the moral high road. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you guys are Ned Stark. You guys are Ned Stark. No, we're going to, oh, uh, I have to serve with honor. I have to serve with honor. It's like, hey, man, where did that get Ned Stark? It got Ned Stark's head on the chopping block. That's where it got. Spoiler alert for you people living in a cave and, you know, you haven't watched Game of Thrones since 2000. What? This thing came out in, what, 2011? Get with the program, people. Get your shit together. Shit's going bad. What you got, Luke? Oh no, that's it's over to Roger on that one. He's ready to explode. Maybe. I don't know. I never can read Roger. Go ahead. No, not really. A couple of things just to close out a little bit on the on the speech specifically. So it did serve its purpose because one thing that he did not talk about, and there's a there's a bunch of tweets out there, but obviously he didn't talk about the economy. He didn't talk about inflation. He didn't talk about Afghanistan, the one year anniversary. Like the reporter asked him on the one year anniversary of the withdrawal, did you speak to the family of the service members. He's like, today? Well, no, but I have spoken to them before. Well, yeah, today, you moron. Today's the the anniversary. This is the day that you would actually do it. He didn't bring up the southern border. He didn't bring up fentanyl. He didn't bring up crime. He didn't bring up fuel prices. He didn't bring up food shortage. So everybody is just talking about the speech, which is what they want, right? That's what they want, especially going into the midterm. So part of that has already worked itself out. The funny thing is he's making all of this about Trump and the guy is not even in an office and even declared that he's going to run again. Now, we know why he's doing this, right? Because everybody, you know, they assume that Trump is going to be the presumptive nominee and he's going to run again, what have you. But he might not be. I mean, right now it's 50-50 and I'm still betting that he doesn't. But it's amazing that they are spending all this time and resources on a guy who has not even determined that he is going to run yet. So that kind of gives you, that kind of lays the land out for you. As far as... Uh, you know, the whole fascism piece. When your party has complete control, how do you have a war on fascism? You are the fascist. And I hate to use that term because I know Luke hates the term and I think I think it gets uh, overly used as well, especially to that extreme. But it's the... Your party has been in control over the last 18 months. It's hard to be a fascist, okay? True definition, right? Fascist. Is, it's hard to be that dictator when you're not in power. They're the ones that are in power. That's what makes me angry about this thing. When you look at everything that's going on in this country right now and all the things that, and again, I get it. Not everybody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And you're never going to have everything's firing, everything firing on all cylinders. But nothing is going well. Everything this guy touches is the exact opposite of Midas. It turns to poop. Now, as far as Josh's piece, and this is funny because some of this, when we go back and forth on text, it's hard to tell, right? You, you never get toned across. You can't get emotion. So you only assume what the other individual is feeling, thinking. And uh, a couple of times Luke's even typed up. I had to stop myself from laughing before I typed this thing out or, or whatever. Josh hit it on the head with the moral high ground. My whole point to this is, and, and you gave a great example with the Hunter Biden piece, you can take the moral high ground. And still be as, you know, aggressive as heck. 
right? With Hunter Biden, there you use the full weight of the Department of Justice and the FBI. But you're right in the fact that conservatives don't take it to that point, and they don't take it to that point because with conservatives, the majority of them, they're not at war. They don't see themselves at, at war. And that that's my that, that is my problem with conservatives. Conservatives think that they're on some you know they're they're fighting a war like the British in the Revolution. It's like oh we'll fight them in a you know in a sunny meadow on Sunday afternoon and you know this is you right. know the Queensberry rules and you know shit like that. You're in a back alley knife fight in the Bronx, dude. You need to get your shit together and understand where you're at. That, Absolutely. And that's the point. It's it's the guerrilla warfare versus, like you just said, guys out there, hey, we're going to beat the drums and we're going to fly the colors and we're going to go out to this field. And then you start getting shot from the woodline. You're like, what the heck? And, and we're not advocating or pushing for violence at all. We're talking about there are legal ways, especially with the way the government works, that you can accomplish this stuff. But you have to understand that you are at war. And there are a lot of aggressive methods that you can take when you look at. And here's a scary thing, too. When you going back a little bit to, to the speech again, the scary part about it was and Luke laid this out very well at the very beginning. It's the whole if you take it farther than just the picture of him and the red background, and the Marine Corps, you got to remember the FBI just raided the former president. What other signal is he sending by having the U.S. military stand in the background. And I know that they've all brought up, you've seen on the left, uh, here's pictures of Trump with the military. No, we're talking about during a political speech like this, right? So, you know, it's the, and the F-15 comment, exactly. I had notes on that. It's it's the, hey, the first time we were nice and, and sent the FBI after you. What that tells me is the next time we're sending the military after you because he just called and he, he already tried to walk this back today. But during his speech, he basically called 75 million Americans extremists. And Corinne Jean-Pierre, so here's her tweet. So following up on all this, and, and this goes back to Josh's point about reading the tweet. You know, she, she probably actually wrote this one versus Joe, who doesn't write his own tweets. Quote, when you are not with what the majority of Americans are, then you know that is extreme. That is an extreme way of thinking. So does that apply to sexuality as well? What does that apply to? Is it just politics? No, they talk about unity, unity when you agree with me. That's what it is. And, and that's what makes you so angry for uh, about it. And here's the thing. It's not even a conservative issue here. The Libertarian Party tweeted today, and I don't know if, if Josh controls the Libertarian Party's Twitter uh, account, because their, their tweet was, it's time for a national divorce. The national divorce, the national divorce isn't going to happen because the right's not fighting that war. It's not even a divorce. It's just battered spouse syndrome at that point. And, and I, we, we talked about this months ago. And McConnell, he is, he is the epitome of a politician. When they asked him about what the Senate's going to do when they take control and this and that, and he was like, "We got to win first. And we talked about this months ago. They talked about this massive red wave, and I still do believe that we're going to take the House. And I think there's a good shot that that the conservatives take. Uh, the Senate as well, but it's not as slam dunk as everybody thought it was four or five months ago. Who was the one guy, Josh, that you said that's coming back on? Um, that's coming back to Biden's cabinet. What's his uh, 
John Podesta. Everybody yeah. remembers John Podesta and his wife. Look he's going to be a senior. Yeah, he's going to be a senior advisor to the president. And just by the way, if anybody can get a hold of his email address, his password to that account is probably a password. Yeah, I mean, his stuff's all over WikiLeaks. And when you look back at, because that dude is tied to Barry, he's tied to Hillary, he's tied to, that guy goes back. And enough, not enough attention was paid to the WikiLeaks and his emails. It's dirty. I mean, we're, in my opinion, we are beyond politics at a lot of point. And that goes back to, to the point Josh is trying to make. They're not fighting fair. And I don't, I'm not for the, uh, Josh, like, eh, maybe we just suspend some freedoms for a little bit. When I don't believe in, in all those things, right? But there are a lot of aggressive measures that you can take. We had carte blanche with, with, with Hunter Biden. Uh, but, but the GOP's just never been ready. It goes back to the Affordable Care Act. You had years to come up with an alternative to this thing. You knew it was going to happen. And what happened? You get controlled. It's like, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we don't really have anything ready to, to go. Because they're not in a war. They think it's, they think it's you know, 20 years ago. They think it's 30 years ago. And this all started, this all started with Barry. And one thing I will say, and people, it goes back to why I, I like Carrie Lake, but even with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think she was one of the only ones that came out yesterday and just destroyed. I forget the exact tweet. You have to look it up. But came back and just destroyed Biden and was like, hey, you, you want war? You, you got war. And then the left you hear is like, oh, the Republicans, the right, they're, 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 ask, they're calling for violence. I'm like, really? Like you just sat there like, what about the 570 some odd riots that happened a couple of years ago? They, oh, they just sat by the side. Like, like Luke said, you just had somebody take out or try to take out a Supreme Court justice that had he not on his own called himself in would have probably happened. I, mean, I, I think we could probably agree that probably would have. He at least got a round off. It may be killed him, worst case. It would, have Which been I'm still, mostly, it would have been a mostly peaceful assassination. It, it's, it's shocking to me. One, I still can't even believe that we don't have, we didn't have personal protection for Supreme Court justice. There's only nine of them. I mean, come on. We're already spent, you know, we've already spent a, a trillion dollars and sent it over to, to the Ukraine. I'm sure we can pay for protective services for the nine Supreme Court justices. Back to my original point. All the rhetoric out from KJP, the White House, everybody on the left, they're ready for war and they're, re- they're already fighting. And so the right has to fight back. And when we talk about when they take back the House and, and you've got some that, that they see on the right as being extremes, they're like, we already had three articles of impeachment drawn up for Joe. Absolutely. And you know what? You know what's who, who needs to be on the Hill? Hunter Biden. All of these folks, you got to bring them up. But here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Nothing. It won't happen because Mitch McConnell should have should have had uh, a speech ready. McCarthy should have had a speech ready, and McCarthy just talking. All of them, any of them, all of them. The only ones that have come out firing away are the. uh, I'll say it slightly crazy ones. (laughs) That the, the more and more, the farther this goes, they're the only ones fighting. Okay, metaphorically, clearly, right? They're the only ones fighting. And so people don't pay them attention. People don't pay Carrie Lake attention. They, you know, they don't pay attention to, to Marjorie Taylor Greene and the other uh, brown hair lady. They, they don't pay them any mind. And it's like, but you know what? They're the only ones that are fighting. But that's ha- But 
a lot of that is the conservatives' fault. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Because look what happened. Look what happened to Sarah Palin in Alaska. Right, the establishment Republicans, the establishment, and I'm using air quotes here, conservatives. They undermined her, Murkowski. Murkowski straight undermined her. McConnell straight undermined her. McConnell's doing it to Blake Masters. Hey, man, that may come back to haunt Mikowski, though. Hopefully. If the people in Alaska are paying attention, that may come back because it's still ranked choice. And yes. Chewbacca, Chewbacca may benefit from that. You know, I, I, I'm getting off the rails here, but yeah, I, I'm getting off the rails. And I'm, I'm, I'm derailing no, you guys' because I, point. Go ahead and finish your, your point because I do want to follow up on the, on the ranked choice thing. Well, yeah, I, I think we all agree on the ranked choice. I do think in this, again, if you've got uh, an electric that's paying attention, uh, they will see what the three of us saw with Murkowski and how that affected Palin. You guys clued me in on that, and I had to ask the question, do my own research. But it's it's very obvious. Palin didn't win because she didn't get the support of Murkowski. And that may come back and bite Murkowski when it comes to ranked choice because uh, like I said, I think I said this a second ago, Chewbacca or Chewbacca or whatever her name is, is still running against Murkowski uh, later on down the line. So go ahead, Roger, with ranked choice. I, I'm with you, though. I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead and say it. Well, I had to look into a little bit more because Josh threw out a comment when we were texting the other day. He's like, Murkowski screwed her. And, and I wasn't really following. I just kind of assumed that Sarah Palin was going to win. And he said, Murkowski screwed her. I was like, oh, would she say something? He's like, no, she just didn't back her. And so when you looked at ranked choice, we explained it a little bit, but basically you have the three candidates. And if none of us get 50% of the vote, then what they do is they start eliminating the person who has the least amount of votes. And so when you go vote, let's say us three are, are candidates, you get to say, Luke is my number one choice, Josh is my number two choice, and Roger is my number three choice. Okay. None of us get 50% of the vote. So Roger is eliminated from the contest. And people that wrote me in number one, okay, those votes are gone. But people who wrote Luke in for number two, he gets all those votes. Or if you wrote Josh in for number two, he gets all those votes. So that's what happened to this because the election was actually on 16 August. It just took this long to whittle it down. I forget the, the name of the third candidate, Blegich, Begich, something like that. 21% of his vote did not have a second or third choice. That, among other reasons, that is why Palin lost, and that is probably strictly on Murkowski supporters, because 20% is not a great number. 20% would have put her over 15, she'd have won. Easily, yeah. right? Easily would have won. Dude, 60% of Alaskans voted Republican in that. 60%. And because of the ranked choice, and because Murkowski didn't get out there and stump for Palin... Palin's not, probably not going to win. She, she, she didn't win. Like that, it'll to, come back to bite them. But you know what? That's on them. That's, that's insane, like, I have, it, it is, but I have no issues. It goes back to like with the abortion thing. I have no issues with the, the people of the state because they passed it. it. It barely passed, but it went to ballot. It went to vote. The people of the state of Alaska said, this is what we want. Dude, half the people in Alaska are drunk Eskimos. They didn't know what they were voting for. They just want their village to be, they just want to be allowed to, you know, have alcohol sales in their village so they stop having to, you know, smuggle it in and make homemade hooch. I say, Alaska, 
one of those weird states too. Alaska is like Maine, right? There's a lot of folks up there who are very independent. There's a lot of folks up there who, you know, don't want government in their lives. It's one of the reasons they move up there. But Alaska also, Alaska has a really strange underbelly in the people who are so dependent upon the government programs because they're, you know, they're drunk Eskimos or because they're meth heads, you know, and they need that, they need that government cheese and that government support, you know, to, to support their habits. So they're all about, you know, milk and milk and uncle Sam. So they, they love the, you know, they love that Democrat welfare state. Um, but you know, Murkowski has, she's tried to distance herself from Trump. Palin was obviously Trump supported Trump backed. And, you know, it goes back to my entire argument about, you know, the conservatives and their bullshit is as soon as you hear three senators sided with the Democrats, you know, we automatically know which senators it is. You know, it's Collins, Murkowski and Romney. You don't even have to do you don't even have to check the game tape. You know, <laughs> it is literally like. Well, one conservative Supreme Court justice sided with the, you know, with the liberals. You don't even have hey, to check. You don't have to check how, the game how many, you know how many text messages? How many text messages do we have back and forth between us three? One of us could say, "Hey, yeah, three three uh, conservatives sided with the Dems," and we all, all boom, boom, boom. Yep, spot on every single time, and that's a problem. Yeah, dozens, dozens. And, but people keep McConnell. McConnell's going to throw his support behind Murkowski, a hundred percent. McConnell didn't throw his support behind Palin and it's going to come down. The dude, the GOP, I swear, I want the GOP to be the pallbearers at my funeral so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> they, we had the perfect chance to take back both chambers this year. I mean, it's perfect. You could not pick a worse president. You couldn't. I don't even know that Kamala Harris would be this bad. But watch, they are going to F it up to where the Democrats are going to keep the Senate. And we are at a point now, dude, we may not take the House. We may not take the House. Because of this nonsense. Stop electing these, stop electing these damn people. Stop electing the Dr. Oz's. Stop electing the Dan Crenshaw's. Stop electing the Mitt Romney's. You're not doing yourselves any favors. You think they're conservatives and you're like, well, I'd rather have Dan Crenshaw than, you know, Ilhan Omar. It's, it's basically like that office meme with Pam. And there's like, you know, find the difference in the picture. And, you know, she's like, it's the same picture. Dan Crenshaw is the same person as Rashida Tlaib. It's the same person. Oh, Roger's like, oh, that's so crazy. I'm not. He's the same person. Well, no. So Dan basically, Grishaw. what you're saying is that you're just never going to vote from here on out because any candidate you pick, including your beloved DeSantis, who still has red flag laws down in, in Florida, who has done nothing to repeal any of those, guess what? None of them are perfect. And I, I understand and appreciate the principle. And yeah, I would love to live that way. Here's the real world one of the two are going to get elected. And nine times out of 10, I will take that GOP candidate over the Democrat. Nine times out of 10. It's the same person, unless it is a DeSantis or a Trump. It's the same person until s I will not vote for any of these Dan Crenshaw, Mitt Romney, Dr. Oz. You might as well just stay home because that's the way they're all going to be. You might as well just stay home. So you're basically saying you're just never going to vote again. Was Donald Trump that way? It took you like eight months to get on the Trump train. You already kicked his ass to the curb. No, dude, I got on the Trump train as soon as Trump, <laughs> as soon as Trump, 
As soon as I, I honestly, I did not. You think tried to put a him, you. You tried to put him on the train. That's what it is. Not not riding the Trump no, train. Not, you tried dude, to put Trump on the train. I I did not think Donald Trump had a chance. I really didn't. You were on the Trump train from day one, and I get it. I wanted him to be the nominee, but I didn't think he had a chance. I was like, yeah, man, I just you know, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to get disappointed. So it's again. about electability then. It's not about electability. <laughs> wait a minute, didn't you? Wait a minute, but. You like Trump, but you didn't think he had a chance. That's kind of, you know, the same argument that we use, right? You have to go with who you think can also win and is in the closest in line with your principles, period. Because one of the two are going to win. That's that's the fact. One of them no, are going to win. You go, it's not like, the person, you, know, you go with the person that's closest to your principles, right? But at the same time, or, the or, or, you don't, or you don't go at all, right? At this point, they, yes. Or you okay. don't go at all. Okay, so if it's if it's Romney versus Kamali, you're not going. If the nominee for the <laughs> GOP is not Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, and this is barring some outsider dark horse that we aren't aware of yet comes in, I will sit my ass home come election day. Okay, okay. I will not. Vote. So we're uh, we're getting somewhere here. So you're saying barring any dark whatever. Okay, so. Hitler's uh, son, or grandson now, we, we find out it's Hitler's grandson, and he is uh, God's gift to the left now, and it's Hitler's grandson versus Mitt Romney. You're going to vote for Mitt Romney, right? No. I'm so Oh, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's good. That's good, man. Hey, he's a man of principle, people. <laughs> I will die. I, I'm telling you right now, I don't, I, I think you underestimate my willingness to die on this hill. You underestimate my willingness to die on this hill. I, I am done voting for establishment Republicans. Done. Done. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Because they've got, uh, where, where, where have they gotten us? No, I, where I, have I they you. gotten us? I am, I, I'm with you on that. That's why I do believe though, we, we kind of cut Roger short. So Roger, do you have anything else to say on that? Okay. He's good. We kind of, I, I do believe we are at a, at a turning point. I, I do believe that. I don't know where it goes from here. I think Josh and I and even Roger have different views on where it goes from this turning point. But we've preached this for, I think we were a few months into the podcast, and we've preached that, hey, man, we got to create our own culture here. You know, as conservatives, we, we've got to fight the good fight and create our own culture. You know, uh, read books, write, you know, write them, talk about them. Create music like our like our like our boy uh, like our boy Carlton Zeus and Rogers got a, got something to say. No, it's just funny because this morning we texted again and Josh brings it up or one of us brings it up and it's always like, so are we really going to go down this road again as far as voting for principles? And he's like, one more time. I'm like, who believes this? It's at least what once every third day that we bring this up, at least. Yeah, man, it's like Rocky. Josh is like Rocky. One more round. Just one more round. That's all I need. We're, we're like on Rocky's 53 cut, right now. <laughs> hey, I didn't hear no bell. I didn't hear no bell. That's right. Man, we got to, you got to, We it, it starts not just with the politicians. Of course, they are our elected representatives, but it's us who are putting them in there. And at the end of the day, you know, as Josh says, most Americans are peas. And I'm starting to think, yeah, most conservative or conservatives are peas too, because we're not out there putting it out, putting it out, putting it out on the line. You know, it's very difficult for me. And I've said this, Josh went off on a rant the other day, 
on text. I said, bro, you got to get off Twitter. Like take, take like three hours off Twitter, bro. Because I I know how it is. I get on Twitter and I'm just like, there is no talking to these people. They're, they're just, is, and you, it's easy just to give up. It's like, give up. I, I'm not talking, I'm not, you know, trying to encourage anybody to get out there and get in a Twitter flame war. That's, that does no good. But the way these people on the left make me feel at least, is just it saps my energy, man, and it's just like it's not even What's worth the people it. on the right talking too? to because well, yeah. because neither one of us I think are that far from Josh because I tell you what it, it's at least every day I'm like f all these people f them all conservatives liberals f them all libertarians you know you know who the, who's really letting the people down libertarians a libertarian candidate a third party. The best you can come up with is Gary What's Aleppo Johnson. If you wanted a time, even going back to 2016, right, when a third party true libertarian candidate who was like somewhat sane could probably win, we've had three elections. We've had three elections. Well, we're going to have three elections. I, I think the libertarians may surprise some people this year. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win anything. But I think the guy's name is Dave Rubin who's a part of the Mises caucus. And he is now yeah. like the spokesperson for uh, the libertarian party. That guy, if you listen to him talk, he is no George, Joe, Joe Jorgensen. And he is no, what is Aleppo Johnson? The guy has some good points. So if we could, if they could get somebody and I'll, I'll even say we, man, if they could get to a point where, you know, we're making a good point. Hey man, I'll consider a libertarian party, but until they put in a reasonable candidate, I'm just, I'm just not on board, dude. Joe Jorgensen, are you freaking serious? Day, uh, Johnson? So hold off, Josh. Hold off for just a second. So as we said, you know, the culture war and all that stuff, it begins with us, man. I mean, we're doing this podcast. Folks, share the podcast. Who cares what your wife thinks? Who cares what your friends think? They're not going to cancel you. Just share the damn podcast. That's all I'm going to say, man. They, they may actually culture. get canceled. <laughs> no, they won't. No, they won't. But they may. It's on you. Buck up, folks. So Josh. <laughs> Let's get into it, man. Let's let, let's just where, where the rubber meets the road, man. We've been talking way too long about this stuff. Let's get into let's get into some good stuff, right? So, Josh, we that you know talking about Biden's speech, and you know, for, for those of you who don't understand, like Roger said, we text, and a lot of a lot of stuff is lost in text, and we we get really worked up. But then we get here on the podcast, we actually work shit out. Because when when Josh says, you know, you got to fight dirty, I immediately go down the road of Josh wants to repeal the Fifth Amendment, just like that tyrant Abraham Lincoln, you know, and that's not what Josh is saying. He's just saying we need to fight. We need to fight. (laughs) I I think hell it ain't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. well, we're going to go down this road. So but but again, we do work some things out. I think that Josh and I and see things more eye to eye than we don't as far as how we need to be fighting back and the methods we should do that. But it created a very interesting conversation. Okay, Josh, you're so smart. If you were president, what would you who would you appoint to this this cabinet position? And that turned into a really interesting conversation between the three of us. And we decided, yeah, Josh has got his list. Are they typed out? Mine Get just- the hell out of here. No, he's actually got show notes. He's actually wow. got show notes. Typed and printed, baby. Typed and printed. What's up? Mine, mine are just written out on this politically correct big chief tablet. God, that is so racist. I know, right? I love it though. So, Josh, you're president, right? And let's say it's it's fairly soon. Let's say it's within the the next eight years or so. You know, you're president. Why don't you just like give us an idea, quick rundown? 
of the first steps you would take within your first year and maybe some of your appointees. And we're going to kind of kick it around the horn here on who some of our appointees are and how we would deal with things uh, the first year. And, and if you haven't tuned out already, which 75% do before hour one, we got there might be some familiar names on this list. So some, some loyal listeners. Uh, yeah. So mine's a little different uh, probably than what your guys is going to be. Cause see, I don't, my title is not president. Um, I'm, you know, you, you, some people may call it the emperor. Some people, people call it other things, other titles. You can call it what you will arose by any other name. Right. So here's again, I go back to my earlier comment, you know, in, 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 what was it, you know, in 2007, 2008, you know, George Bush was like, uh, you know, to, to save the free market, I had to violate some free market principles. Well, we're at the point where I really, <laughs> truly believe to save the Constitution and our republic, to save the republic, we're going to have to violate some of those principles. Um, I'm okay with it, right? You may not be okay with it, and that's fine. That's fine. Um, but I'm okay with it. I can sleep at night. Um, I really, I, I really, really think Thanos was onto something. Uh, you know, for those of you that kind of follow that, uh, you know, that movie, I think Thanos was on to something. It gets to the point where you're just like, you know, man, we might have to sacrifice a few to save the many, you know? So what will I do? And we're not going to say in the first year, first term, I'm going to work quickly. Um, I'm going to pretend I'm on a deployment and I'm going to, I'm going to just start pounding cases of rippets and, uh, and, 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 and jock coffee, right? So the first thing I'm going to do, these agencies and everybody who works in them, everybody, I don't care if you're the janitor. I don't care if you're the secretary, you are fired. You no longer have a job. You are no longer employed. You can learn to code. You can go figure something else out. <laughs> I've actually got a program. Build I actually solar have panels. A program. Yeah, you can build solar panels. I actually have a program for you set up with the Department of Labor uh, to, to help you with that transition that you're going to have. But these agencies are immediately and effectively on day one abolished. The U.S. Secret Service, gone. The U.S. Secret Service will be reconstituted in a different form. You you don't work for the Department of Treasury, yet you investigate financial crimes. That doesn't make sense. You're gone. Done. Right? We'll reconstitute you in a little different way. Department of Education, gone. The ATF, FBI, CIA, DEA, NIH, DOJ, FDA, FCC, all gone. Done. We'll reconstitute some of those in some different forms, but other than that, gone. All right. But once again, no former employees may once again be employed by these agencies. And some of those employees, depending upon their level, you are not allowed to be employed in public service for the rest of your life. Period. There are zero exceptions to that. All right. <clears throat> So these agencies will be immediately bolstered and reformed. Department of Agriculture, Department of Transportation. Pete, 
you no longer have a job. You can go spend your time chest feeding your 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 child with your with your husband, um, whatever his name is. Nobody really gives a shit anymore about you. Um, ICE and CBP. So those two are now under the Border Protection Agency. The Border Protection Agency includes CBP, ICE, and Import Export Control. That's it. That's done. They will. They they will. Those will actually receive additional funding and personnel. Um, Other actions on day one, federal law enforcement, you will only assist with multi-state and political crimes. That's it. Uh, Once we once we realign you, the FBI, by the way, your intel authorities are gone forever. You will never receive those again. The FBI is completely 100 percent gutted. You will only focus on multi-state and political crimes. That's it. For those new hires, I'm sorry, but the ones that are employed by the FBI now, you cannot transition to the new organization. You can learn to code, or you can go report directly to the Secretary of Labor, which will be Ryan S., our listener in Virginia. Nice. Along with his assistant, his deputy director, who I'm going to appoint Mike Rowe, Um, they will have... A, uh, good, good a, call. Good call. They will have a secretary of skilled labor, which will encompass basically carpentry, mechanics, which is going to be ran by Mo M. Remember Minute with Mo and Mo from episode 10? He's going to run that. And the secretary of transportation, who's also going to have a lot of jobs ready for you guys. And that's going to be uh, ran by Josie down in Florida. You're the new secretary of transportation in my administration. Um, For those agencies that actually stick around that I do not dissolve immediately, they will have a church commission level oversight that is 24 seven. The first time any of those agencies violate someone's constitutional rights, that entire agency is dissolved. Those involved will spend the rest of their lives in a penitentiary, making big rocks into little rocks. So that's kind of what day one looks like for me. I don't know, Roger. What does day one look like for you? I've got some more cabinet picks. We'll, we'll we'll kick this around a few times. What's day one look like for you? Luke's talking about what are you going to do in your first year? Nah, bro, it's rippets. This is day one. Day one. <laughs> we got shit to do. So, so I do like I do like your your comment about the FBI and, and and a lot of their authorities. And I think the the overarching theme, and this is why we go back to Abraham Lincoln being a tyrant. The overarching theme needs to be to reduce the executive branch, the power of the executive branch and the federal government as a whole. I got one thing. Why is Abraham, Abraham Lincoln a a tyrant? You keep calling him a tyrant. I don't think he was a tyrant. Read up on Abraham Lincoln. That's, that's, that's that's a whole new episode by itself. He did more to expand the power of, I know he is. He did more to, to try to expand, or he, he did expand. The dude suspended like habeas corpus. He did more to expand the power of the executive branch that has carried on ever since 1865 than the other president until, what, what, George Bush, maybe? So anyway, that's a whole other episode. I, I do agree with you with the FBI piece. I think a lot of their stuff needs to be restructured. Uh, I kind of went a little different way. So the overarching theme needs to be re- to reduce the federal government. And I think you hit something on the head talking about the federal government should step in when there is a dis- disagreement or dispute or crime among the states politically or internationally. 
Okay, that needs to be the overarching theme with this stuff. Uh, I kind of went down each cabinet and just listed some folks. And again, some of these folks are, are a lot of our listeners, so uh, different approach. But so first of all, my vice president's got to be my wife. I'm saying that because she's sitting here right with me right now, and she'll be the one running stuff anyway and does a way better well job done. than I do. Well and, done. Uh, so I get I get points for that. Chief of staff position's gone. That position will now be filled by the vice president. Uh, as it should be, because the vice president is worthless and does exact does absolutely nothing, and the there is no real weight behind the chief of staff or the vice president. Uh, but I think making the vice president chief of staff one, they will actually know what the hell is going on in the administration. Unlike a lot of our folks, it's not as political because it is tied to pr- uh, productivity and performance. And it's somebody who will be qualified to take over at a moment's notice, probably even more qualified and more ready than the president because they'll have their hands. And it's like the CEO of a company, right? They have their hands in the in the mud and in the dirt. Uh, so I think you remove the chief of staff is filled by the vice president. Uh, my press secretary, Joe Rogan. Uh, or or I've got three. I've got three. I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. Or I could do Tucker Carlson. Or I could do Greg Gutfeld. Um, I have some notables, so I'll kick it to Luke for some of his, his initial thoughts. So I want to throw my notables out here first because a lot of the folks that I've, I look at my cabinets, I, so I look at things a little differently. And, and a lot of folks probably have gone through this. They experience it, this in their hiring process where they look at your resume and you have to show a desired uh, experience. Uh, you have to show 10 years of this or that. You've done it before, performance, what have you. I kind of take the Army recruiting approach to it and the, and the Army in general where I look at trainability because I, I believe all three of us and a lot of our listeners that no matter what job you're doing, you may not be an expert in that job or know very little about it, but you know what? You're going to do the due diligence. You want to succeed. It, it goes back to an old Jeff Bezos quote, right? He wants people who are right. You can be as smart as you want to be, but he wants people that make decisions that are right. And that's kind of my approach to a lot of this stuff. So when I get down into the cabinets, it'll be a lot of the folks that I know, that we know, listeners of the show, that that do well at, at whatever it is they do. They may not necessarily be subject matter experts in that that field, but it's somebody who, yeah, they will probably do very well there. Before I get to that and we'll kick it to Luke, I did have some notables. So my notables, and I think you could interchange these folks with a lot of these cabinets, minus the ones that that I choose to, to dismantle. Totally agree with, with Josh. Secretary of Education, gone. Um, I think when you look at the administrator of the EPA, you combine that with the secretary of the interior. I think you you get rid of the EPA, you roll that into the secretary of interior, and that, that post holds both duties. The notables I have, Rand Paul, I think he could fill a variety of these positions. Donald Trump, he might actually be a great VP chief of staff. Not that he would be because he's got to be in charge, but that personality, that would be like your chief of staff person if you still had that position or your vice president. I think Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Ben Carson, Tom Cotton, Marsha Blackburn, Rick Scott, John Kennedy, maybe, Josh Hawley, Elon Musk, Larry Kudlow, George Murdoch, a.k.a. Tyrus, and Andrew Yang. So those would be my notables that I think could fill some of these uh, some of the, these important cabinet positions. So Luke, I'll throw it back to you for your your initial thoughts as, as Josh looks at me and shakes his head in disdain. The Andrew Yang thing I actually do understand, along with the rest of them. I could see how he could fill certain positions 
I, I really do. Uh, when when looked at through a lens of, of what you described as far as like trainability, can you do the job, so on and so forth. Uh, but keep in mind, any one of these people can be fired with a drop of the hat, at least with me. I'm sure that's how it would be in Josh's administration. It's like, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm going to take it. Like Trump was not good at that, in my opinion. You're fired. Just just you're fired. I don't I don't need time for your explanation on why you did this. No, if you have to explain it to me, if it doesn't make sense to me in one sentence why you did what you did, you are fired because obviously you do not understand the commander's intent. So I'm getting I'm getting a little you know worked up here. I like I like what you said, Roger, about chief of staff. Uh, but I'm going to say my my I, I'm still going to have a chief of staff. Uh, I'll put it to you that way. But I do like what you said. What you <laughs> y'all's points make make a lot of sense. I'm just going to kind of go down the list here. I I, I want to say them all right now in my uh, my decision behind them. But what I'll preface with is I am not going to dismantle everything immediately. Okay. Josh wants to play dirty. I want to play dirty too. I want to use all of these departments as much as I can to further not only my domestic policy, but my foreign policy vis-a-vis the EPA. In other words, I'm going to bring China to their freaking knees with the EPA right before I dismantle it. That's how it's going to go. And I feel that way about a lot of these departments. So I will appoint these people as secretaries and their instructions will be, we are going to milk this for all it's worth and then you're going to dismantle it. That's just how it's going to go. Okay, so VP, right? VP, I thought about that a lot. I thought about VP and chief of staff a lot. And I got three choices for VP. I don't think any of these guys would take it, though. That's the problem. My first, bo- my first is, and I'm going to use last names on some of these. Bros, if you got a Facebook profile, I'm going to use your last name. That's just all there is to it. I know you listen to the show. You like stuff on the Facebook page, so whatever. So my first, first pick, one of the first pick would be Scott, my boy Scott Casey, because he would keep me balanced. We would have, you know, we would, you know, maybe smoke up a little sherm because I'm going to make sure that stuff's legal in the first week. I'm going to drink some rippets and get get marijuana legalized. That's what I'm going to do. Joe Rogan I had for vice president because I think that dude would keep me balanced and I could smoke sherm with him. My third choice, <laughs> <laughs> my third choice who would not smoke sherm would be Ben Shapiro, who is also one of my choices for AG if the attorney general, if my number one choice didn't, didn't, uh, didn't take it, which, man, it would be tough. Think about this. Somebody comes to you in your mid-50s, and you're not a political person. You've never been in this. Would you want to take that job? You'd have to do a lot of talking some people into it, especially with Joe Rogan, who's richer than King Creases. But that's why they'd be so my, good at it, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why they'd exactly. be great at it. Right. So I, I, I'll go with the, the departments I, I do believe in. Uh, Secretary of State, Rick Grinnell or Linda Blanchard, period. Secretary of State, bam. Rick Grinnell was so fun to watch. When he was ambassador to Germany and Linda Blanchard, who was the ambassador to uh, to Slovenia while I was there, she was in the same vein as Rick Grinnell. It was just it's great. And we're going to obviously we're going to have some overlap on some of these Uh, secretary of Treasury. He's going to have very specific instructions. That's my boy, Darren in Amarillo. Boom. You know, what's he fourth in line for succession or fifth, something like that. And SecDef. I don't know if this guy listens or not. I, I, I had a hard time selecting this one because a lot of our listeners are going are gonna to listen to this. They were like, hey, where was my name? 
man, there's all kinds of secretaryships, secretary of army, Navy, all this stuff, man. Hey, just, <laughs> just chill out. Okay. But I got, I got Justin Overbaugh as my sec def. You talk about promise. You talk about a, a thoughtful dude. I, I got Justin. Now, attorney general, I already said, I, and I'll stop here and kick it to Josh. Cause I got, we got so many more, man. Uh, for attorney general, I said Ben Shapiro, but my first choice would be uh, the Randall County Sheriff, Chris Forbes. Number one, that dude is a, he would be a great attorney general. But is he a lawyer? I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I don't know if in the U.S. code somebody has to be a lawyer to be attorney general. I don't care. Now, Sheriff Forbes, I'm, I'm right along the lines of, of Josh almost with some of the agencies or the bureaus uh, under underneath the uh, Department of Justice. But, you know, keep your powder dry podcast. Cody and Colby, y'all can fight over who's going to take what. But again, you're going to have <laughs> very specific instructions on what to do. You know, if Cody, if he wants to take the FBI, very specific instructions, which I'll be listening to Josh very closely. But uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. I've got... I've got a lot more here, but uh, Josh, what are the picks you got? Yeah, it's, uh, I, yeah. So those are uh, you. You have some good ones. You have some good ones. So I really wouldn't. I, so I'm not going to refer to my cabinet as a cabinet. I'm probably going to refer more to it as a small council. Um. So my vice president, my vice president is Ron DeSantis. That's gonna be that's gonna be my vice. I actually had the same sex state as uh, as you, as in you know it, it, Rich Grinnell. Um, so my secretary, of the treasury, also referred to as my my administration, if you want to call it that. We're gonna call him the master of coin. Uh, is Roger? Uh, that is going to be that is Roger after Roger dismantles the Federal Reserve. Uh, the Federal Reserve no longer exists in my administration. Do I, do uh, I need Roger, to go through one of your re-education programs before I take this position, or how does that work out? No, no, no. That just happens if you don't do what I say. <laughs> right? Again, again, you know, and I got to remind folks, you know, we, we have to, in my administration, um, we have to violate some of the Republic, you know, principles to save the Republic uh, while he's investigating agencies for violating rights, <laughs> while I'm investigating the agencies for violating your constitutional rights, absolutely. The bet, you know what? The best person to be in my administration is just a regular citizen. That's the best person to be. If you work in the government, in my administration, you should wake up every day with fear. You absolutely should. You should wake up every single day with fear. If you're just a normal average day, you know, American citizen, you wake up and it's going to be great. You're going to have a great life as long as you're not a communist. I don't regard communists as real people, so I really don't care what happens to you. We'll deal with what you about, accordingly. What about semi-communists? Oh, semi-communists, yeah, done. <laughs> once that, once that seed's planted. So my secretary of defense, um, actually, I, I, you know, you, you came up with, with Justin Oberbach, and Justin Oberbach is a great – he kind of comes into this a little bit. Uh, because I had him as Secretary of the Army, um, but my Secretary of Defense is Jesse Kelly, uh, Jesse Kelly of uh, of Twitter fame, uh, because Jesse understands what needs to be done, and he is going to make you some omelets, but he is going to break a lot of eggs. Which is he I'm a okay listener? 
Jesse Kelly, no, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and out on a limb and say he has more than <laughs> he has more than 20 Twitter followers. He's probably not a listener. Um, so but also, while we're talking sec, sec defense and uh, and Justin Overbaugh being Secretary of the Army, just just know that every 06 and above, with very few exceptions, there are there are exceptions, but very few. Every 06 and above, you are hereby immediately relieved on day one of my administration. Uh, go ahead and start your SFL tap transition and uh, and pick up your blue ID card because you are no longer in charge. You are no longer doing anything. You are no longer running anything. Period. 06 and above immediately. 05s, you're automatically being reevaluated. Your entire military history is being picked through with a fine tooth comb. You're on notice. That goes for all you W4s and W5s too. Sorry, asses. My Secretary <laughs> of Interior is Jason. Jason Y in 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 uh, Louisiana. All right. That's my sec- secretary of the interior. And uh so I'm going to, I'll throw out the, uh, one more and then I'll throw it back over to Roger so he can keep rolling through, but I have a lot more, I have more. So we're not done yet. My secretary of agriculture. Again, I think agriculture is one of those things that needs to be kept and reformed. Brandon C out in Kansas. Brandon C is an actual farmer every day. No shit. This is what he does day in and day out. And Tom M right here in North Carolina who has his own farm. He retired out of the government. He runs his own farm. He grows his own food, slaughters his own cattle and goats for meat and stuff. So guess what? You guys are running the secretary. You guys are running the Department of Agriculture um, and run it. One of the rules that I have in my administration, one of many, by the way, is you will not, under any circumstances, this is zero exceptions, no exceptions. You will not hold a leadership role, and I'm talking about in leadership role is defined as you having a direct report to you unless you have done the blue-collar, grunt-level job in which your department is specialized. There are zero exceptions to that. None whatsoever. So, all right, I got a lot more, but I'm going to kick it over to Roger. We'll keep this thing rolling. I'm kind of curious the name of this new country that you're going to be running. Is, uh, it's probably going to be pretty interesting, but it's the greatest country <clears throat> in the world. It's called the United States of America. We're just under new management <laughs> for a little while. I, I do, I do like the overarching theme with because that's part of the problem. With the, the federal government is just so big and it has so much power, and the employees are just too comfortable as a whole. And I'm not saying they should be fearful for their lives, but like you said, there should be <laughs> present company <laughs> accepted. But <laughs> the there there should be a healthy fear because the government doesn't fear the people. Okay. And we're not talking about violence and they're going to go shoot up their house or this, but there is no recourse with a lot of stuff. There is no oversight. The the, the American people have no oversight. I don't want to jump off to a tangent too much, but one of these future episodes, we need to talk about local elections because I do believe when we start talking about the fighting back politically, right? It's the local elections all the way up to your state. Because I think when you get to that national divorce, it's not going to look like what we, what we think it's going to look like. It's just going to be states where you have like Ron DeSantis down in, in Florida saying, you know what? No, we don't actually recognize any of that. We're going to do what we want to do in federal government. If you want to make us, then you're going to have to send federal troops down here to do it. Take you back to like the 1960s, right? But anyway, that's a, that's a different episode. So Secretary of State, buddy of ours, Jim, the guy is a statesman, would do very well. I also had Rick Grinnell on the list. I think he would do a fantastic job. And Rick Grinnell could probably fit, fill several of these positions. I think we, all three of us would, would agree with that. 
Secretary of Treasury, and their guy uh, who's good with money, Ted, and Deegan McDowell. Uh, I think that that lady, I've listened to her and watched her for years on the Fox Business Network, uh, as well as on Fox News. Uh, again, it's these people that you would never convince them. Uh, and you could even throw, and I threw him in the notables, the, the Larry Kudlow's. You, it would be hard to convince them because one, they make way more money doing what they're doing now, and they would have to give up so much to do it. But that's why they would be good. That's why they would be good at what they do, because theoretically, there's no hidden agenda with this stuff. Secretary of Defense, going with John C., uh, former military buddy, I think, of all three of ours, and Sebastian Gorka. I think the dude is legit. Now, he, yeah, I know he's doing some some uh, commercials now and this and that, but I think when you listen to the guy, when I've seen his interviews, and again, I don't have personal knowledge and I haven't personally interviewed this guy or have a personal relationship, but just what I see, the guy thinks like us. It, there's a lot of this. It's pretty easy. It just kind of comes down to some common sense. Like, hey, you have to love your country. Uh, I hate hearing the extreme MAGA. Okay, so MAGA means what? Make America great again. So what part of that do you not agree with? Do you not agree with making America great again? And I think folks are like, hey, our objectives are the same. We want to make this country great. We want to make it better. We want to make it prosperous. And oh, by the way, have some common sense and understand that the government works for the people, not the other way around. Here's my best pick of the night. And I'll, I'll do one more. Actually, I'll do two more after this. My attorney general would be Josh. It's funny because he brought up the uh, you don't have to be a lawyer. Or maybe it was Victor <laughs> brought up you don't have to be a lawyer. Josh would be my AG. And I believe like when you look at, and some of this already falls under that. But when you look at a lot of the uh, even with your your Department of Homeland Security, when you look at your FBI's that fall under DOJ, it should all be led by the AG. And I would say, hey, you know what? Here's the deal. I don't think Josh has gone to an extreme saying, hey, we'll, we'll violate some of your freedoms temporarily. That happens, right? Uh, I don't think you have to, it's like I said, it, it's it's the movie Gladiator. Oh, so you'll just give the power back to the Senate? Of course I will, because that always works out well. I don't think you have to violate anybody's freedoms because there's already the legislative actions, activities, and and, and policies to allow you to do this. You just have to be aggressive about it. Not to go off on the tangent again, but it goes back to what Josh said about being in, in, in a culture war. Oh, we can't, you know, we can't go after a political candidate's son. Yeah, you can when he's a crackhead and, and ditched a, uh, you know, ditched a gun in, the, in a trash can around the block from a school and lied on his on his on his firearms form. Right? You you can do that. You just have to be aggressive about it, and you got to do it. But there's this status quo thing where it's the Pepsi Coke wars, like we've talked about. Hey, it's not about Pepsi beating Coke. It's just me and you staying one and two. We just can't keep number three. So, Josh, you're my AG. Do a good job at it. I hate to fire you. Secretary of Interior, uh, again, we'll combine that with, with EPA. Uh, Jack Hanna would be, I, and I know he's going through some dementia right now, but he would be my Secretary uh, of, of Interior combined with EPA, you know, the, the animal dude on TV, along with Alan P. He would be a great Secretary of Interior combined with the EPA. And Secretary of Agriculture, I'm going to go back to one of our earlier episodes, uh, Julia Thompson, the cannabis advocate. She's going to be my Secretary of Agriculture, uh, and I think that's uh, probably defends itself, right? So, Luke, on you. Some good picks there, man. Real good picks. I'll go through about four or five uh, quickly. Uh, the VA, I think you guys will agree with me on both of these picks, possibly. Uh our, our loyal listener and fan, she puts her name on all the posts she likes, uh, Jane Fairchild. But it would be 
real close between her and Jen Satterley. There would have to be like a like a board on that because I think Jen Satterley would be great, great for the VA. Well, it depends on it Speak- depends on who listens. <clears throat> Whoever listens to more episodes gets that position. Well, Jane's got it then. But 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 go. good news good news for Jen is she's not totally out of the you know out of the whole uh, ball my ball of wax anyway because. I'll just cover my secret service. I'm not going to do away with them because unlike Josh, I know I'm going to make a lot of enemies in my first day. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to need, I'm going to need some, some big time secret service. So who, who was it? William that, Harrison that lasted like 30 days oh, or whatever. Dude, yeah. It, I, it will be, there will be people after our asses the way we're going to handle some things. So <laughs> Josh's presidency lasts one day. They're like, is the year wrong on this? No, it was actually less than 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, bro. I'll be good because I got two people on my secret service detail and they're going to be heading up the whole thing. One is Damon Schroner. Brother, Damon Schroner has been taking care of me since I was in the freaking fourth grade. This dude is a badass and he is a protector and he is a listener. So Damon is on my secret service detail. I think he's going to be my body man, period. That's all there is to it. But I said, Jen, you're still in the you're still in the game because Tom Satterley is on that detail too, ex, ex, organizing freaking everything. And I would do that would probably be who I would spend the most time trying to recruit is that dude. I want yeah, Tom's been on the podcast. Tom and Jen both go back and listen to that one. Tom really knows what he's doing. Check out his book. Check out her book. And uh, so let's let, let's keep going here. So Secretary of Agriculture, Jed Jed Moorhead. Dude's a PhD. He has had his hands dirty. He would fit Josh's profile of you have to you have to have uh, done the blue collar work. Jed, you're my Secretary of Agriculture, brother. Uh, Secretary of Commerce. I put Ted right there. Uh, I think Ted would again. Ted's one of those guys that would uh, be good at a lot of these different jobs, and so he's he's my Secretary of Commerce. And I went ahead and put Jim. I put a hit, went ahead and put Jim D as the Secretary of Labor. Uh, you know, I think, I think he'd be a good, good pick for that. But again, all these, a lot of these listeners, all these people that were, that were saying, uh, not just listeners, but like Rick Grinnell goes down the same line. They'd be good at so many different jobs. So, you know, like I said, secretary of treasury, Darren, he'd be good at secretary of labor too. So yeah, those are, those are a few right there. I, you know, Maybe I said you just the rotate them. Right. Yeah, if yeah. you just rotate, rotate them. That's they all, they all do it for 18 months and then you just rotate them. So, hey, guess Boom. what? You're going to be another secretary. Boom. There you go. Yeah. That's a good idea. I, you know, I, I joked the other day in the text. I was like, uh, by EPA, first of all, I'll do secretary of interior and EPA because I like you guys. That's, that's, that's good. EPA and secretary of the interior, they need to be the same. I put my daughter, Amber, uh, as the secretary of interior. They should be good at the job. But EPA, I put the ghost of Michael Crichton. If y'all, if y'all haven't, no, again, we could do it. We could do a whole episode of how I'm going to use the EPA before I dismantle it. But if you guys haven't read the afterword uh, to State of Fear by Michael Crichton, I want the ghost of Michael Crichton to be my, to be my EPA guy. Dude. Oh my God. Read the afterword to State of Fear by Michael Crichton. And you'll that, understand that is literally, why. You sent to us before. That is literally... That would be tied for the one I would get rid of first. I don't. I, I would be a tie between the DOE, no, I, Department of Energy, and the EPA. Look, man, it's it's a back alley knife fight, like Josh always says. These things are going away, but before they go away, I'm going to use them 
to dismantle all this shit and to bring China to its knees. And then it's fucking, then it's freaking going away. I look, dude, the EPA, that is okay. I'm going to leave it alone right there. Josh, <laughs> don't focus too much on the EPA. Just realize I hate them, but I do realize the power they wield. I'm going to use that right before I freaking get rid of it and no one else can use it again. That's what I'm saying. You're short sighted, Josh. That's all there is to it. You're short sighted. You got rid of your Secret Service and fired a bunch of people trained with firearms on day one. Don't tell me you're you, you you're, you're taking the long game on this. I'm joking with you. Don't get pissed. You've got that go to hell look. So get, give us a few more of your picks, man. Don't get don't get too mad. I'm I'm messing with you. Luke's the EPA. Luke's been watching Aaron Brockovich too much. Reminisce about some. Anyway, <laughs> all right, Luke's, fucking EPA, get out of here with that bullshit. All right, so running, running, running back through my small council. So the uh, director, national intelligence, uh, aka the master of whispers, uh, in my administration, is Luke. Uh, Luke is going to Luke is Dude, going to run that. Don't don't do that to me. No, no, you're going to run that. And but here's the stipulation for that though, bro. You you have to be Littlefinger. You have to be Littlefinger and Varys like combined. Right? He's already I mean, Littlefinger. Before I do anything rash, I will always pass it by you, and I promise you, you will give me the thumbs up. I mean, you. I mean, if it's rash, I probably already approve. So just go ahead and do it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna push tip. It. I'm flat. Hey, man, I'm flattening the organization. This is another thing that we're doing. We are flattening this crap. There, we were. We are flattening it. Uh, we are pushing those decisions down to as low as they as low as they can go. Uh, real quick, the Secretary of the Air Force is going to be Tyler B. up in uh, up in Virginia, and also added to my Department of Agriculture with farming and stuff is going to be Mimi up in uh, up in Virginia as uh, as well. So I had down my Secretary of Commerce. I had Damon S. out in uh, out in Texas. So I had Damon. Uh, in uh, in commerce again, my secretary of labor is Ryan S. up in Northern Virginia. Um, he you know he 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 does that work day in and day out, man. He's out uh, you know doing any and everything with his home improvement business, which we you know we highlighted uh, on here before. Honey done. Uh, let's see what are some of my others. So, Secretary of Health and Human Services, I've got Christy D, who is Jim D's wife out in Arizona. She's going to run Health and Human Services. Um, and while she's doing that, old Jim D, he is now running the small business administration, uh, for, uh, for my government, my attorney general, I picked Kurt Schlichter I said his name, right? There you go. <laughs> Y'all should be pretty happy. Right. So my AG is going to be Kurt Schlichter, the chief of staff. So I kept the chief of staff position, right? Um, because I feel like. Everybody needs a good chief of staff. Everybody needs that person that, you know, that's whispering in their ear. And so I've actually picked uh, Wes uh, out in Colorado. Um, and, you know, I think Wes is up to the job, you know, because, again, it goes back to the can they do the job? Will they do the job? And are they the right fit? Um, Wes is uh, very much along my line of thinking when it comes to, you know, communists aren't real people. So it doesn't matter what you do with them. Um, kind of deal because I'm going to need Wes as my chief of staff. Like he's going to be, he's going to have to be like Doug Stamper from house of cards, chief of staff. Right. 
Like I'm gonna need he's gonna be the bag man. And he's gonna need some do some stuff. I forget which movie it was. It's uh got Ben Affleck, but he walks up to the guy and he's like, Hey, we're gonna go, you know, you can't ask any questions. We can never talk about it, but we're gonna hurt some people. And the guy who was guy's response is like, Whose car are we taking? Yeah. Jeremy Renner, right. the town. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's gonna be like that's gonna be my chief of staff. So Wes, if you're up to the job brother it's uh it's yours my secretary of energy i actually had jed uh out in uh, out in texas right so i do keep the department of energy the department of energy's only mission their only mission is to make the united states the leading producer of coal oil and nuclear power in the world that's their only mission Boom, their other I mission, love it you can use some alternative energy sources only where they make sense and where it is feasible and only if I approve it. That's it. All right. All those windmills that are out there just sitting stagnant that Luke keeps sending pictures of. They're not even turning out in Texas where there's nothing but wind and dirt. Guess what? Either those things either start turning or they're going to be turned into targets for the air force to practice on. Dude, he literally sends pictures of like, the field grass blowing, the car moving, the road moving. The only thing stagnant in that photo, it's the windmill. That's the only thing not they, moving. And they're ru- they're usually rusted out too. It's crazy, and you can't recycle those. You bunch of environmental dumbasses. You guys are going to have a place, you know, for in, in Luke's administration though, in his EPA. You guys will be able to nest <laughs> and continue your continue to spread your rot and your monkey pox. All right, so I got my Secretary of Energy. Again, the, my Secretary of Transportation, Joe Z down in Florida, brother, you're out there, you're working, um, you're you, you're you're going to get this uh, this country's roads and uh, infrastructure fixed. Veterans Affairs, I went with Ryan T up in Virginia, um, but uh, Jane Fairchild, great pick. Jen Satterley, obviously a great pick. What about um, Ryan? Oh, Ryan T. Okay, I'm sorry, I, I thought you were mistaken on that. Yeah, that's no, a good no, no. pick. And my Secretary of Homeland Security again. He's going to be a Doug Stamper type. Um, you know, he's going to do a lot of things. I'm not going to ask him a lot of questions. He's going to be like that that specialist or that warrant officer who just gets things done. You don't ask him how they did it. You don't ask him where that drip pan came from. You're just happy, hey, man, I got a drip pan on, you know, under all the Humvees on my line. I'm not going to ask why, you know, there's, there's some other unit stenciled, you know, on there, right? You don't ask those types so, of questions. So you actually keep DHS, and all those D bags over there, except for one, you keep DHS around. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't read the. He didn't read the text. He must. He must have been asleep during the text exchange. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, Roger. Roger was asleep during the text. So Admiral Dave is my Secretary of Homeland Security, and that's where the border, you know, Border Protection Agency is going to fall under that. Um, so the one of the very first things that Admiral Dave is going to do is he's going to issue every homeowner, landowner on the border a letter of mark, a backhoe, and a couple of pallets of seven six two, and we're going to take care of the border problem ourselves. That's going to be fixed, right? And Admiral Dave is going to be the one that gets it fixed. Um, again, let's see who else I got. That's about uh no I got a couple more but I'll kick it back to right hey, hey, how many more rounds you got because I got one more uh, push uh, I probably got I one more up. round I, I can break this in half we're we're good we're good okay all right I got more round. go ahead and go ahead and run through run through some more of yours so Secretary of Commerce uh, I've got Rich Rich H you know who you are gift of gab 
great at meeting people. He gets out there, man. You just got to foster relationships. He's one of the best at it. That's he's probably one. one of the, yeah, he's probably one of the only true extroverts that like the dude is legitimately a true extrovert. Like we all fake it, right? You go, uh, yeah, yeah, you're doing, he's actually a, a, a true extrovert. Secretary of Labor, some of these folks were some of the, actually, some of ours are the same. I think you actually looked at my notes, but Secretary of Labor, Joe Z, Alan P, both common sense dudes, Joe Z, blue collar guy, worked, worked hard his whole life. And I, I think you bring that perspective. It, it goes back to, I think Josh hit it on the head with, you have to have done the job. I mean, get out there and get your hand. It's the Mike Rowe thing, right? That, that's the whole appealing part about dirty jobs is people don't realize that, oh, well, I just, this shows up on my table. It's like, well, yeah, there's a lot more that goes into this. And somewhere down the road, far removed from most of us, it, it's some guy, gal getting their hands dirty. So both those folks uh, that way. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Christy, same thing. She could almost be a, a chief of staff because she's a ball breaker. Uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, it's gone. Eliminated it. I actually falls under the AG and under Josh because when you look at the HUD, the only thing the HUD does, it's it's like civil rights acts, right? It's like, well, we just make sure that you're following the law. Well, I actually, I don't need you to make sure that. So a lot of this, and this is why I talk about DHS and this and that. So what happens is all this information gets siloed because you have so many different departments with so many different authorities and this and that. Now, I agree with Josh, the FBI, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to prosecution and your AG. And maybe there's some different offices that are broken out. Uh, underneath that. But at the at the end of the day, you're breaking laws. So when you talk about federal laws, interstate conflict, political or international. So at the end of the day, when it comes down to like your HUD and discrimination, that type of stuff, I mean, it, it, it's enforcement. I mean, HUD's not out there building houses. I mean, maybe they are. I haven't seen any HUD built houses, but all they, from what I've been able to read, they just basically enforce a lot of the civil rights acts and, and all the, you know, we've all heard about redlining in this. Like, do you actually need HUD to do that? I mean, can the AG just not prosecute that stuff? So anyway, HUD's gone. Don't need it. Secretary of Transportation, Steve, you both know Steve, uh, great car guy, <laughs> and bring some common sense to this, and he would not try to chest feed any of his kids. I don't think he's done that, uh, which I, I don't expect him to do that. Secretary of Energy, Craig M., smartest dude I know. As far as book smarts, guys like a formula chemist, he'd be great at that. And I'll stop at this next one here. I go over to Luke. Secretary of Education, gone dismantled by the way do we know so i was joking with josh the other day we know that that uh, secretary of education came about under reagan's administration which carter passed reagan tried to get rid of it anybody know why that failed i never got to that part of the article do we do we know why he was unable to dismantle the department of education because because of what he what his own words the closest thing to immortality yeah, is a government uh department or, or bureau Yep. Yeah, that's bullshit. <laughs> because see, but see, here's the thing, right? And this is where I go back to, yeah, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to violate some of those, you know, constitutional principles to save the Constitution. You know how hard it is. They they came out, Congress, and even members of the executive branch came out and told Donald Trump he can't fire members of the executive branch. He can't fire employees in the executive branch as the chief executive. I'm not going that. to have that problem. In so my, this is this is the difference with that. Uh, this this comes down to being no, this comes out to being aggressive because here's the deal. Much like we're finding out with the elections in 2020 and a whole bunch of other things, you just do it. 
It's like the COVID mask. I mean, how many, when you look at vaccinations now, right, we've already had two major court cases now, like, no, you actually can't fire anybody for that. You've already had monetary damages be awarded. So it comes down to, well, you know what? I tell you what, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And then you fight me in court. We'll take this up because it'll be five years. Dude, we will be fighting the COVID wars for five years. And the Democrats knew that. Hey, just do it. And here's the thing. They come back and they rule against it. They change it slightly, right? It's kind of like GNC and then and the rip fuel. You just change the chemical slightly. This was banned, but we just moved this molecule over here. So this one here is not banned. That's what they do. And they know it's going to take, well, money, resources. I got to go fight this in court again. It'll be two or three years. You just do it. You farm. Hey, good luck. Because it will take you three years to go through the DOL and, and get all the way up to a state Supreme Court before you can even argue that point. Just like Joe did with the uh, CDC rent moratorium, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You just do it. So, so um, I have a, I, I'm not saying you guys are wrong. Obviously, you guys uh, have some really good points. I would just take a different approach. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, I'll go down a few of my picks here. Uh, talk about getting their hands dirty. Department of Energy. My uh, energy secretary is going to be Grant Walston. Guy has his hand has had his hands dirty in doing the energy thing for years. I loved what you said, Josh. I loved what you said about your your energy policy. Good stuff. But I'm going to go back to my EPA thing. What's the cleanest form of energy, Josh? What is the cleanest form of energy? Nuclear. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to be nuclear. So Grant, you're my energy secretary. Congratulations, brother. I know you'll take the job. So education, that thing's gone. But you know who's going to dismantle it? A little man named, not a little man. He's actually a tall man. He's a big guy named Russell Camp. That guy is going to dismantle my Department of Education. He's going to do it the right way. Uh, I'll appoint him and then he will work his way out of a job and he'll know that before he goes in health and human services. You guys keep talking about this Christie person. She still has a friend of me on Facebook. I don't know what's up with that. So she's not my <laughs> health and human services secretary. Well, she hasn't heard of me either. either. So <laughs> I know man, she's, she's, she's hardcore. Like Roger said. So my health and human services is Eric Schaefer. Uh, shout out to Eric down in Amarillo, man, that guy again, hands dirty. The man is a businessman. Uh, he has his heads down. He has his head down, and he is in the weeds. So that's my guy. HUD again. That thing's going away. But until it does, I'm going to give John Blanchard his swing at it because that should have been his. If Trump would have won, John Blanchard would be the Secretary of uh, Housing and Urban Development right now. So I'll fulfill his dream and let <laughs> let him do that job for about four months until it's gone. Transportation. I got Isaac. I got Isaac Hayes of the Cajun Conservative. So if y'all haven't listened to the most recent, well, by the time this comes out, the second to most recent episode, there was a very special uh, guest host on that, and I heard he did a good job. So Isaac is my Secretary of Transportation. So, Josh, I, I you know, when you said that the DNI, right? You had me as a DNI. Yes. Okay. I, I think that I think that that would have been. I think you know. Based on your argument, or not argument, your your case, I think you'd be a good DNI for me. I didn't have you down, but now that I think about that, I think you'd be a good DNI. But because it's like, dude, put your head down. You got the commander's intent. I don't want to hear about it. Just get it done. I had got a Wadon down at the Randall County uh, Sheriff's Office because uh, uh, that lady's really got it going on with intel. But Josh, it would. I don't know. I, I think I would keep you in the position I had you in 
because I know you've got limitless potential within my organization. But Josh, I love to laugh at some of the things you say. I love to laugh at some of the things you do. And nine times out of 10, you're right. So I had you as my ambassador to the UN because that would be just nonstop entertainment for me. Nonstop entertainment. Josh as the ambassador to the UN. And I know I would be laughing at your expense, but man, it would just be, you know, Khrushchev with a shoe on the table. It would just, that would be a lot of fun. Now I've got a, I've got a couple more. I've got a couple more. I didn't mean to slight you with that. You kind of the butt of the joke on that, but uh, DNI, I like that. I like that. Maybe I'll make Gata. You know what? I'll switch those. I'll make Gata the ambassador of the UN because she would be just as entertaining and I'll make you my DNI. So I got a couple more just like you guys do, but I'll, I'll kick it over to you. So I don't know. I don't know, man. That they do. This the, the ambassador to the UN that actually sounds I dude I could have some fun with that if you're okay oh, if you're okay I'm okay I'm okay okay well I mean when you know when I come back and say hey I declared war on three different countries in the you know the last UN <laughs> assembly just I mean you know I'll be like go tell that. Justin go tell Justin yeah um, man the UN dude. Also, speaking of the UN, I was going to get to this. Speaking of the United Nations, uh, in my administration, they no longer have a have a headquarters in the United States. Um, so that's you know the, the, that's my take on the put on that the shit United in Nations. Africa somewhere. Yeah, Ethiopia, hundred no, percent. There you go. It's in Ethiopia. It's in It's in Addis. Yep. Um, only though, only. Um, they're going to have to pay the Ethiopians an exorbitant amount of money, an exorbitant amount of money. Uh, so anyway, so running through um, a couple more of uh, I'll just go ahead and exhaust my uh, on my list. So my White House press secretary is going to be Christina Pushaw. Uh, she's currently the uh, spokesperson uh, for Ron DeSantis's uh, governorship reelection campaign. So remember I said that some of the or you know some of the agencies I would immediately abolish um, but I would reconstitute uh, in some form or another I am going to reconstitute two portions of the ATF uh, my director my secretary of alcohol is going to be Chris T uh, if you remember from episode 4 the whiskey made me do it uh, Chris's job his sole mission the only the only job for that agency uh, is to destroy the secondary bourbon market, right? Your job, dismantle the secondary market for bourbon and to expand all distillery production in the United States. So. So you you hate capitalism then, is what you're saying. The, the secondary bourbon market is done. I'm sorry. The secretary. It, look, I don't know. I don't know if you caught at the beginning when I said we're going to suspend some of those constitutional principles to save the Constitution. I'm just while saying, so you I'm hate in, capitalism. So, so if I want to buy a, bo- so if I look, buy a bottle and then turn around and resell it, so then I guess what I, I'm sending you an email. Like, what can I? I'll, I'll send Christy an email. Like, so how much can no, I? No, you can up? sell it. You can sell it on the black market. Just don't get caught. Because <laughs> if you get caught. Then you're going to go make big rocks into little rocks. So, so what's the markup? It has For to be right MSRP. Now. What's that? So what's the markup then? None, zero. Like if I resell something, I have to. I have to, it has to be 
Would I pay for it? It depends on what I like. It depends on what I want. <laughs> I don't think I, I, mean, I I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear at the beginning of this. I thought when I said, you know, one, we're going to suspend the re, you know republic values and constitutional it, you it, know principles. The and title I, I of this episode. Said, the title of this episode. This is this is why this is why folks in our business love alcohol. It depends on what I like. Yeah. I thought when I said that I'm not going to refer to it as a cabinet, but my small council, I kind of thought you would pick up on that. Dude, I'm going through this. I am going through this government, this current structure we have, like Joffrey Baratheon through Westeros. <laughs> Bro, I am not. I am going through it. I, Dude, I like my administration like Sherman likes Atlanta. Hot. Hot and on fire. All right. The canteen cabinet, dude. That's really good. That's really good. I think Luke's is a winner. Um, anyway, all right. And so we're bringing back the firearms, right? So the, the 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 firearms portion of the ATF. So one of the things that we're going to do with firearms, first off, all firearms laws on the books are immediately dissolved. Done. NFA gone. Everything gone. Every school in the United States, elementary, middle, and high school, will have a civilian marksmanship program. We will take the, the current CMP, the Civilian Marksmanship Program. That will be in every single school in America. Chris P. out in Texas and Big D.C. are going to run that program. And there are zero exemptions. Um, and I say Big D.C. Big D.C. is now an NRA certified firearms instructor. Um, and he's, uh, he's getting ready to open up a range in, uh, up in, uh, up in Maryland. So that's why I got, uh, I got them too. And we're also going to have leadership. We're going to have a secretary of leadership and every school will have a comprehensive leadership program to teach you how to be a better citizen and a better leader. That's going to be run by Jeremy M. One of one of the best NCOs next to next to Roger that I know, and then we're going to have a fitness program, fitness and nutrition education in every single school at every level to include private schools. That is going to be ran by Joe Rogan and Papa Swolio. If you don't know who Papa Swolio is, you need to get on Instagram and you need to get your shit together. And you need to figure out Papa Swolio. He looks like this big Viking. And all he does, every single Instagram post that he makes is he's basically, he's the white C.T. Fletcher, right? And so C.T. Fletcher is also going to be involved in this. Um, and all, every Instagram post, he is, go to the gym. Hey, how you doing? Get your sorry ass to the gym. All right, they're running the fitness programs. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a wrap for... Uh, for everything in uh, in my administration. Again, if you're a current government employee in one of those agencies I named, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your luck. But Joe Z has some shovel-ready jobs for you. Um, you can go out. You can get familiar with how asphalt is made, how roads are made, you know, how shit's done. You can paint lines in the road, whatever. Um, but that's what's going to be done in a Josh administration. So Dude, after my term is pictures- up... Some of the pictures he sends is hot. <laughs> like Dude. I sweat looking at them. Like nine. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. Well, some people aren't going to have a choice in my administration. Uh, in federal prisons, guess what? All prisons, 
the guy out from out in Arizona, Joe, what's his name? Who, you know, made him wear pink, uh, pink uniforms and yeah. And live in GP mediums. Dude, that's all prisons. That's all prisons from here on out. Done. Oh, I love that. Cable TV, you know, all that hot chow. Nah, dude, that's all done. It's all done. It's all gone. So if you're a government employee, you wake up every morning and you're scared. If you're a good citizen and you love your country and you support the Constitution, you're good. You're safe. Enjoy. We'll kick it over to Roger. All right. So I'll round up my cabinet here. So Secretary of Veterans Affairs, like, why can't we get this right? Like the VA, like seriously, outside of who, why can't we, why can we not get the VA right? It, it makes no sense to me, but I would use uh, Randy M or Jeremy M. I think both those guys, you know, one of them, Jeremy M, both those guys, soldier, soldiers, right? They're, uh, they're in touch with the needs and uh, I think are straightforward enough, common sense enough to propose some solutions and overhaul this place. Because that's a lot of it. You just can't get rid of folks. Like, they suck. Well, guess what? Oh, well, we've got tenure and we hang around. Like, people were literally dying. I went to the Phoenix VA to get glasses a couple of years ago. And I showed up early. Like, we all do. You're like, oh, I got to be 30 minutes early, whatever. Dude, I drove around that parking lot for like an hour and 10 minutes looking for somewhere to park. I'm like, I see why people are dying in the parking lot here. And I'm like, you already know how the story plays out. I'm driving, and maybe it wasn't an hour, 10 minutes. Maybe it was like 30 minutes or whatever. So I'm driving around for like 30 minutes. You look for somewhere to park. You park 45 minutes out. You got to walk. You damn near got to take a taxi. And you already know how it's going to play out. Well, hey, you're 20 minutes late to your appointment. Sorry, you need to reschedule. That's great because it only took me four months to get this one. So anyway, both of you guys, one of you guys, one of you two guys, both of you, whatever, you're going to fix this. This was a tough one for me. So Secretary of Homeland Security. So I want to abolish that that cabinet. But I have four people that I would throw in there, ones or twos or one after the other, whatever, Chris T, Will K, Chris P, and DC. One of you guys either have to fix this or we're throwing it under the AG because I do think it becomes a law enforcement piece. And uh, I think they could be doing a lot more now than just violating the rights, the constitutional rights of Americans. And it's, if one of you four guys can't fix it, we're getting rid of it. It's going under the AG. EPA, like I said, we're combining that with the interior and the last one. And I had the same one as Josh. He's cheating. Director of National Intelligence, I actually picked Luke. So, Luke, congratulations. Two of the three canteeners, you were the DNI. So, from here and now, you will be the DNI. Luke didn't even have me in his administration originally. Yeah, I did. Noted. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. I thought you didn't. No, I don't I think you. he had either one of us in right his here. administration no, originally. no. I had Josh right here Ambo to the UN, but I've talking about John Podesta and stuff. I've, I've kind of actually changed okay. as, as we've been recording. Is that actually, so Ambo to the UN, that's Nikki Haley. Like, is, that, is that actually part of the administration? I mean, they're really yeah. like he couldn't fit any yeah. of these other jobs here. It's a secretary he, I mean, level I had, position. I think he penciled me in at the last minute. No, that's I okay. Didn't. It's right. That's okay. Here. Hey, you'll Josh, get a knock on your. You you'll get a knock on your door in my administration. You my administration because you're the AG in my administration. Okay, okay. That. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the U.S. Trade Representative. I have the fiftieth name under the H's in the Atlanta, Georgia phone book because what the hell, right? It's just it's just to underscore a point. You know, some of these positions don't matter at all. They're token positions, whatever. 
So CIA, Mark Costello, former G2 at uh, Army South, that guy knows more about intel. He should be all's DNI, not me. Uh, and he would clean house at CIA. Uh, so press secretary, you guys have uh, talked about that quite a bit. I got uh, Sean Hannity, Kurt Schlichter, or drrr, Michael Malice. Can you imagine the chaos if Michael Malice was the press secretary? DHS. My boy Jesse, he don't want his last name said. My boy Jesse, I actually bounced this off him. It's like, what would you think about being my Secretary of Homeland Security? And he's like, he has some really good ideas that I think both of you guys would like. I'll say flechette rounds in AH-64s. I like that idea. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> Coast Guard outfitted with AH-64s. I like that a lot. But with Jesse, there are... There are strings attached. My boy Diego that listens to this has to be <laughs> the head of the CBP. Uh, Diego knows knows a lot. He would he would uh, he would solve the problems. A lot of the stuff that Josh has said, a lot of the stuff that Roger has said, absolutely on the ball, hundred percent. So talking about John Podesta, right? Special advisor to the president or whatever. So I would make Josh my special advisor to the president. He'd be my John Podesta. Right, just that's that a real up. thing now. I well, I did because we were talking about John Podesta earlier. I guess that's a new position, right? So my chief of staff, right? Because I keep thinking it's like I need people to balance me out. That's why I said like Joe Rogan as my VP, uh, Scott as my VP, people to balance me out. I would still need to talk to you guys as we were doing this. So we would, <laughs> I would have Roger as my chief of staff because Roger would be even the president of the United States, right? I'm the president. You got to respect the office. But Roger would be like, no, I know you, dumbass. You're being a dumbass. And Josh would, would say the same thing. And what we would do is we would have these little fireside chats once a week, and we would just record them and put it out as C3. And so the whole nation could know what the, exactly what the hell we were They're talking like, about. Hey, you thought the Nixon tapes were bad? <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> All you would hear is we'd bring up a name, and Josh would be like, Josh would be like yeah, fuck that dude transparency that's what my administration is all about so you guys are going to get to listen to our weekly discussions every day josh is the dni or my john podesta or the ambassador of the un listen to what this dumb son of a bitch from madagascar said the other day about our energy policy and how it needs to benefit them that wouldn't that be that that's 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 gold man it's good stuff so i think that pretty much rounds out my picks i had a few others but i it, there are so many listeners that we didn't get to, and I realize that. But, man, we had a lot of fun putting this together, and I really do believe that you know, these will be some good picks. So, Josh, if you want to close us out or give us some final final thoughts and kick it to Roger to close us out. Yeah, I'll give you a couple final thoughts, and I'll kick it to Roger to close us out. So my administration, too, will be, uh, will be transparent. Um, I will publish the list every day of the, uh, the communists and the other non-people. Uh, that we that we have in custody, um, and, and and where they're located, uh, so so you can see those um, again. Transparency, right? <laughs> you're not going to need. The, you're you're going to want to keep FEMA in those camps, brother. Yeah, FEMA. Yeah, so FEMA. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So FEMA's on the. Uh, they're on the undecided block, uh, but they need to be. Re, they need to be reformed as uh, as well. Um, and you know one uh, one organization that we didn't mention. Uh, I don't think anybody mentioned the IRS. 
Nobody mentioned the IRS. How well, because I, I, I looked at the cabinet, secretary cabinet level positions, and they fall. Under yeah, the that's true. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's uh, that's fair. Um, and uh, yeah, so the IRS, um, yeah, the IRS is gone. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So if you uh, if you guys on, on on a little bit of a uh, a lighter note, um, so earlier this uh, earlier this week, yeah, I got to you know I got to co-host Luke and Roger were busy. I got to co-host a uh, an episode of the Cajun Conservative. It was good. Check it out. Um, so I tell you what, Roger, with that with the time, uh, I'm going to go ahead and close this out unless you got something. Uh, yeah, we got a couple minutes. Okay. Unless so, you want to finish. You, got, you want to finish your thought with uh, Cajun Concern? One, yeah, he makes us look bad give it to because you. he puts stuff way more often than we do. So, Well, Isaac over the Cajun Conservative, he actually, you know, he, he he records an episode and he drops it every Monday morning. He's very consistent. Um, you know, we are very inconsistent uh, in a lot of his due to our schedules. So, you know, it is what it is. He's, you know, he gets to record by himself. Um, you know, it's a lot easier than, than trying to sync schedules with three people who are, are very busy and got a lot of different things going on. But, um, just a shout out to Isaac again, man. I really appreciate you, you know, you reaching out to us and, and, and offering that up to us. We definitely got to get you on, you know, back over here and maybe, uh, you know, when one of us can't make it, uh, you know, to, to our recordings, you know, maybe you can sit in for, uh, you know, for one of us, um, as well. So, so we'll always have three. So, but with that, um, yeah, it was fun putting this together. I really appreciate, uh, you know, everybody who uh, who takes the time to listen. Because as Luke says very often, you know, your time is the most important thing that you have. And uh, and we appreciate you giving it to us. So with that, I'll throw it over to Roger. He can uh, close us up. So we need to do an episode on climate change. So we've talked about this a little bit before. And... I've read a lot of articles like a lot of folks out there have, and you see what's on TV and yada, yada, yada. But I've never actually looked at the numbers. And uh, I just started looking at the numbers over, there's a couple of things I've been, I've read over the last several weeks, months. And it's like, yeah, hey, you know what? Let me look at this stuff myself because there's a lot of government data out there. It's like, let me look at this stuff myself and let me see where we're sitting at. So a lot of this is rhetorical. You know, you don't have to, uh, neither one of you two have to answer. But the big climate change we know exists. Up and down. And the big argument, which they don't make anymore, the big argument is man-made climate change. And I think part of that, as I'm talking through this, might be the Democrats want man-made climate change because they feel they can control it. Whereas the refs of us kind of know that, hey, man, the Earth, it goes through cycles and it kind of is what it is. When an asteroid decides to hit the Earth, hits the Earth, it's going to hit the Earth. But point being... So man-made climate change, if you believe it has that much of an impact, and again, I'm just spitballing this stuff, stuff I want—I need to read more myself. Uh, but man-made climate change is based on greenhouse gases from us burning fossil fuels, using fossil fuels, CO2, yada, 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 right? So CO2 is cooking the earth. And I think I, I tweeted or I, I, I texted this earlier, and I never, I feel kind of dumb and silly because I should have Googled this earlier. The amount of CO2 in our atmosphere is 0.04%, okay? And I think it's actually under that. I think it's like 0.0395, so they rounded up. In 1960, it was 0.032%. 
But when you look at the graph, and I forget what I looked at, it was like Mediaite or one of these other things, they show this graph, right? And, and, it, and it's just straight up. It's a cliff. And you know why? Because the bar starts at like 0.03 and then goes to like 0.045. So it looks like the trajectory is just straight up. Right? Go ahead, Luke. See, what you're talking about is we do need to do an episode on this, and I think we need to do it relatively soon is the, the the measurements you're talking about, right? You look at the sensitivity of the instruments over the past 20 years. The sensitivity of the instruments has gone way up. And what is what is driving the calibration of these instruments? How much CO2 exactly. is in the atmosphere? So they're calibrated to measure CO2. So if you go back to the Industrial Revolution, there were no calibrated instruments to measure that. So it's like, dude, this is all about measurements and mathematics, and what pays for the studies, period. So I'm sorry, you got me worked up. Now Roger's getting me worked up. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> now you're spot on because I think, and I had to, I had to Google this because I read an article that said, and I, and I, I can't remember the year, but it goes to, it's, it's exactly what Luke is saying. They were like, if you look at most of your government websites when it comes to weather and climate change, it says back to 1922. I think it's 1922. It might be after that. But that's where they can actually start saying, hey, we have somewhat of like concrete measurements, right? Plus or minus 0 0.01, 0 0.02. And I think it was Dr. Jordan Peterson who came up and, and he, he brought up that, that valid point. He was like, hey, man, you got to look. There's a reason why we don't have measurements back in the 1850s, right? The way that we measured back in the 1850s <laughs> and, and how we measure now is night and day and your margin error a margin of error is night and day and when you're talking about 0 0.032 and this comes from the government anybody can google this when, you, when you're looking at 0 0.032 versus 0 0.04 in my mind that's margin of error and i don't know maybe i'm just i'm not an environmentalist not a scientist i get it but i know basic math and the i was reading on substack the other day so basically the difference is well, no, it wasn't even the difference. 0.04% is equivalent to a bird dropping a turd on the top of Big Ben. And I'm not talking about the football player. I'm talking about the clock tower. That is, that is <laughs> the perspective, okay? That is perspective of 0.04%. Of so when you talk about 0 0.032 versus point, and I'll give you the rounding. I'll give you the 0 0.04. When you talk about that, it's, it's even less than that, right? So again, Always open to new data, always op open to education. Somebody tells me that, hey, that really does make a difference. And so it really is man-made climate change, this and that. I'm open to it. I'll, I'll read it. And if it makes sense to me, but you know, at that point, you, you go with common sense. It's like, it just doesn't make sense. And I think, Josh, you sent out a tweet, and I'm going to read it here as I, as I pull it up. We've been sending out a couple of things. But the talking about August NASA satellite temps are in, no warming in almost eight years despite Lots more CO2, August 22, same temp as August 1998, climate is a hoax, yada, yada, yada. And for those listeners out there, so generally speaking from everything I've read, climate is based off a 30-year model. So that is like a, if you said a climate, they base it off a 30-year model. And when you look at our measurements going back to, and again, maybe it's 1922, maybe it's earlier than that, early 1900s or, or, or so, I mean, it's only 120 years. You get what, four models? And we've talked about it before. When you look at glaciers, 150, hey, 150,000 years ago, guess what? We had almost no glaciers. Now, 
it's different than and, and my big kick lately. And again, we'll do another episode on this. Has been water conservation. Is that there's a difference? But I think when you look at man-made climate change, uh, I'm not saying that we should be out there burning you know diesel in the backyard every day for the hell of it. But I think when you actually look at the data, and, and I'd like for us to do a deep dive in it uh, to actually pull some numbers because at that point and, and pull government numbers right pull the government numbers and and say, hey, this is where it's at. And for the listeners out there, draw your own conclusions because I think uh, both you guys, if you're anywhere close to where I was, I felt kind of dumb when I, climate change has been in the, the news for years. And when I started looking at the numbers, I'm like, man, it just doesn't support it, right? And anytime there's an anomaly, it's like, well, no, we're only talking about a couple years of data. That's not climate. Well, no, I, and, and I absolutely agree with you. So let's look at 100 years worth of data. Let's look at 200 years worth of data. Well, you can't because of measurements right there. So last thing, uh, Luke, Josh, you guys got anything to, to kick out? I got one more thing. I got one more thing. You said you'd make your wife the VP. So half the day today, half the day when my wife and I are together, uh, so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. So my wife just walked out of the room. There's no fucking way I'm making her the VP. <laughs> all right? <laughs> so you know that I'm not making her the VP because she will be what Kamala Harris was supposed to be. She will be the de facto freaking president, and my ass will be unemployed working at one of Josh's exactly. education camps. So anyway, uh, my wife don't want to be don't want to be the VP. She wants to be the first lady. So we had an entire conversation today about who would be her chief of staff. And we still can't decide because our daughter is going to be the secretary of interior. So it's going to be your pool boy, Julio. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Kick it back to you. My bad. (laughs) Josh, you got anything else? No, the last thing I'm going to say, the the very last thing that I'm going to do on, uh, on day one, in uh in my administration is i'm gonna ban stacy abrams from waffle house and, and golden corral um, <laughs> that's just gonna be that where i'm putting i'm putting my foot down people i'm putting my foot down this is brutal man it's gonna be that i did get you a waffle house coffee cup there you remember that years ago you did you did i, did. I appreciate that too man that, yeah, you know man. what? That's one of my fa- that's one of my favorite coffee cups. And I didn't even steal it. I actually paid for it. I was like, "Hey, dude, like, how much for a coffee cup?" He's like, "We don't sell these." I'm like, "How about five bucks?" He's like, "Sounds good to me." Yep. That dude deal. put dude that guy with the <laughs> neck tattoo because I promise you, I didn't even see the guy. I promise you, he's got a neck tattoo. He's working at Waffle House, you know, smothering and covering hash browns. Uh, he put that five bucks in his pocket and was like, "Whatever." And he, as soon as you walked out, he's like, "Hey, that guy stole a coffee cup. That Asian dude." exactly so hey ladies and gentlemen out there we appreciate you listening to us it's been uh this should be one of our longer ones i think we're just over two hours Uh, we've been talking about the whole cabinet thing Um, i'm not sure i want to live in the world uh or the country that josh is going to run i could probably make it in in, and luke's josh is i I feel like i'm going to the gulag i mean i just i get that i just i get that feeling that i'm going to the gulag so are you a uh, communist (laughs) <laughs> no, but you might be. <laughs> so, no, I'm good, bro. Just, I'm just saying. But I, I think a lot of this stuff just comes down to us. It's like so many of these solutions are just common sense, right? And I think that's what we try to implore is like there's just some common sense and we'll be, they'll be left or right. And unlike Joe Biden, you know, where he goes 20 minutes of all MAGA Republicans, all, you know, anybody who voted for Trump, you're all extremists, you're all terrorists. And then at the end, the last 30 seconds – By the way, unity, we all need to get along. Yeah, you want me to get along with your policies. But anyway, thanks for listening to us. 
Uh, Carlton Zeus, go out and check out his music, www.carltonzeus.com. He's also on Apple Music. By the way, we do have a website, copperstandcanteencup.com. Uh, we tried to call so uh, so here's here's a little bit behind the curtains. We have uh, probably 15 listeners on Culper's Canteen Cup, and all of you are filling cabinet positions. So <laughs> that is that is coincidental. <laughs> that is coincidental. Uh, so we do encourage you to share. Uh, because if you're not sharing and we do monitor Facebook, actually, uh, Luke monitors Facebook. He monitors your pages because that's the kind of business that he's in. And if we don't find that you're sharing us, uh, you will no longer have that cabinet position. You won't be in my cabinet. You'll be in Josh's cabinet. And believe me, from what I've heard, you don't want to be in Josh's cabinet. So, hey, (laughs) thanks for listening out there. Thanks for watching. Keep your canteen cups tightly secured.